WWF superstars compete in the Royal Rumble for the undisputed WWF Championship, including Jake the Snake Roberts, the Barbarian, the model Rick Martel, the Berserker, Rowdy Roddy Piper, Hacksaw Jim Duggan, Nasty Boy Sags, Repo Man, Sergeant Slaughter, alleged real world champion Ric Flair, Hercules, Colonel Mustafa, the Macho Man Randy Savage, Skinner, the British Bulldog Baby Boy Smith, the Million Dollar Man Ted DiBiase, Haku, Shawn Michaels, the Warlord, El Matador, Sid Justice, IRS, Nikolai Volkov, the Texas Tornado, Virgil, the Undertaker, the Big Boss Man, Greg the Hammer Valentine, Superfly Snooker, and the Immortal Hulk Hogan. It's time to rumble! It's time for the Hello again and welcome to another episode of the Retro Wrestling Podcast. I'm intern Alex, joined as always by... The one and only, the greatest referee in professional wrestling history, Patrick Young. And Patrick, here we are. We just wrapped up Survivor Series and NXT War Games. What are your thoughts, sir? Let's start with Survivor Series. Survivor Series. Now, did you get to see Survivor Series? I refused to watch uh, Survivor Series. I did watch the AJ Styles and Brock Lesnar match, but I hate brand warfare. It does nothing for me, so I did not watch uh, the rest of Survivor Series. All right. Well, we'll start it down. I do know the finish of the the men's elimination and the women's elimination, for that matter. We'll we'll start start from the... I wrote down here. New Day Shield. I have to... New Day Shield, I have to give them... I have to tip my hat to them. They knocked it out of the park for a for a curtain jerk match. They set the bar so high that literally the women afterwards couldn't they could not compete. The crowd the hottest thing going in in the company right now is they wanted to make sure the shield looked great and New Day's been having excellent matches with the Usos all year, so this was bound to succeed. This was a great match. An absolute great match. From start to finish, hands down, it was a spot match, yes, but the sp- the spots in and of itself were phenomenal. Yeah, and the women's match I felt was a big uh, disappointment. Uh, a lot of people thought that would be Paige's return. We'll talk about her actual return. Becky Lynch. I have down here in my notes Becky Lynch to look like shit. Well, and Bailey as well. I mean, yeah. those two combined spent about five minutes in the match. Here- a- having Alicia Fox as your captain immediately tells me that you're not taking this seriously you're 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 pushing you're pushing becky lynch and she's she's supposed to be the team captain she's supposed to be all this stuff and then you turn right around and have her get hit with a quick roll up right out of the gate it just it looked really bad it made her look bad. I was not a fan of the match. No, I thought as a vehicle to promote Asuka, which is really what it, what it turned out to be. I mean, she was the sole survivor. I thought she should have just ran through Team SmackDown and been done with it. Miz and Baron Corbin. I'm going to say it was an okay match for entertainment value. Um, I don't... It didn't help anything. It didn't hurt anything. It was just a match to be on the card. Uh, I wasn't a big fan of it personally, but... 
Well, Miz is taking some time off to shoot the Marine Six, I think. Dear God. He's getting to be the next fucking Sylvester Stallone with Rocky and Rambo. Holy shit. Only on a much smaller scale, yeah. So he went ahead and lost to Baron Corbin, who desperately needed a win, who's looked terrible. This has been a very bad year for Baron Corbin. But then the next night on Raw, drops the IC belt to Roman Reigns. And of course, Maurice is expecting, so we might not see Miz back until WrestleMania time, at the earliest. The uh, the Usos and the bar. Uh, what didn't you like about it? I hated it. From from start to finish, it was absolute shit. Nobody knew where they were supposed to be. There was miscues all over the place. I just did not like it. But at the end of the day, it's like these two teams are on different touring brands. Uh, they don't work together a whole lot. It's a one-off match. It's an exhibition match. True. Uh, Bliss Charlotte. Oh, my God. Let me just say, for anyone who wants to say that Alexa Bliss does not know how to wrestle, she showed that she could at Survivor Series last weekend. I don't think she's a good wrestler, no. Really? So, I've never thought she was a good wrestler, no. I Excellent on the uh, mic, uh, but... They tore the house down. I absolutely loved this match. I put this as my match of the night, seriously. Oh, well, that's because you're biased against Brock Lesnar. There is no... There is no question who had the match of the night, and that would be the men's heavyweight championship match, which was not for a title. The universal champion, Brock Lesnar, taking on AJ Styles, was easily the match of the night. It was a great match. AJ should have won. No, AJ could not win. You can't have, if the goal is Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania, you can't have AJ Styles beating Brock Lesnar. Especially when AJ has lost, like, what, three times to Roman Reigns? He got the best match out of Brock that Brock has had in probably a couple of years, really. Yeah, he did. Uh, the only thing that sucks is they've built Lesnar up to 1F5, and you're dead. That's it. And you can't have him beating Braun Strowman with 1F5, and then it takes five to put AJ Styles down. It just kind of... It defeats it defeats the purpose. No, you see what it does is, is that way when Roman kicks out of the very first one... It's like, oh my God. Yeah, no, I get that. Because he's put Samoa Joe down with one. He put Braun Strowman down with one. Took Goldberg three, just FYI. That, <laughs> that, that is true, but that that's in the past. You, we're not supposed to remember that. Yeah, we can't remember Goldberg beating the shit out of him in 37 seconds or nothing. You know? Men's elimination, main event. I thought it was a pretty decent match. Uh, well, I just thought there's there was zero heat going into the match. There's still no motivation for why the match happened. There was nothing on the line. At the very beginning, did you did you get to see the match? Uh, no. No, okay. I did not watch this match. All right, so at the very beginning, Shane's going to start it off, and he's going to start with, with uh, uh, Braun Strowman. Well, he runs up. Strowman's got his back turned. Shane does a, you know, jump start. Runs up, hits him with a just a running, jumping forearm to the, to the, uh, the back of Strowman. Strowman turns around, literally ragdoll throws Shane McMahon. Shane McMahon literally looked like he had just shit himself when he set up. It it scared him that bad. It was great facial expressions, great sell job. I think that set the tempo for this match until Triple H pulled his bullshit of, I've got to be the biggest, I've got to be the baddest, I've got to shine, and fucked it all up. You wasted such big-name talent in this match. Nakamura didn't do anything. Orton didn't do anything. Balor didn't do anything. Cena didn't do anything. Samoa Joe 
didn't do anything. They were all made to look like goofs. And how many appearances does John Cena have left with this company on, you know, a pretty regular basis? So you wasted one here where he did absolutely nothing. Of course, yes, at Triple H going into going into business for himself basically. He's the COO of the company, so he decided to set up various feuds for himself. So that way, he can go in any path he wants to for his WrestleMania match, which I I assume it'll be Angle. It's going to be Angle, I feel like. But yeah. then why even why even bother with Shane? Because it was a fuck you to Shane to... I, I see the point with Shane. No, no, there's... Here's here's the logic problem with Shane. Because just a couple months ago, Kevin Owens attacked Triple H's father-in-law with a vicious headbutt. Shane put his life on the line on the Hell in a Cell in the name of the McMahon family and lost. So then you have Triple H, instead of being, you know, seeking vengeance for his father-in-law and his brother-in-law, you have him pedigree his brother-in-law... And beat him? Yeah, because he couldn't hold up the McMahon family name. I don't see why SmackDown couldn't have won this elimination no, match. I, in all seriousness, though. Well, with the turn with the turn on Angle and the turn on Braun Strowman. It, it should have came down to Angle, Triple H against all five. And Angle wears through him. Angle's going through him like crazy. Shane's there. It's going to be Angle, Shane, and a couple of others. Then all of a sudden, out of nowhere... Triple H tags Angel, or I mean, uh, Angle's getting ready to turn around. Pedigree, fuck you, and that builds. Because he just screwed the Raw brand, and he just screwed Angle. That, right, he should have joined Team SmackDown, that, basically. That right there should have been the, the way to end that match. If, I mean, if this was, I don't think this is the right way to go about any of this to begin with, but if that's the route that they're going, he should have helped SmackDown win because why would you why would you pedigree your own GM and then proceed to win the match, you know? Right. Like, like right. And the thing with Braun, that could have been set up on Raw. I mean, that that seems to me like that's the Rumble program, I guess, for Triple H. And then after that, I don't know what they do with Braun because I don't really I don't really see an opponent for Braun at WrestleMania. I guess unless they're they've already started the direction with Kane. Kane is uh, the the next opponent for Braun, but then maybe Triple H at at, at Rumble and then I just don't know what they've got for Braun Strowman at WrestleMania so far. I like the match for what it was. I would have ended it better, and I would have eliminated people differently. But other than that, it is what it is. This wasn't a show I was looking forward to. It wasn't a show that I watched. And it's a show that in storyline, other than the Triple H angles that were set up, everything else on this show was inconsequential to everything else that's happening in the company. Yeah. The crazy thing is we were you know, they announced that they're going to in two nights after Survivor Series it's going to be, you know, uh AJ defending his title. Oh, they backed out of that, yeah. They backed out of oh, that. Oh, could you imagine if they had stuck with that Jinder Mahal match? Because I mean yeah. I was convinced that they were gonna go ahead with that for Survivor Series. He couldn't have worked a tenth of the match that we saw at Survivor Series. Yeah. So they backed out of the rematch, uh as far as AJ's trajectory here, uh, he's got gender at the next pay-per-view, uh, which is, I forget what's the December pay-per-view. The December pay-per-view is a SmackDown pay-per-view. Right, but there's also before that uh, a tour stop in India. The, the, the entire reason for this whole gender Mahal thing, they're doing two nights in India. I wouldn't be surprised if after, he wins it back in India after and, then that, gender, and then AJ takes it back at the pay-per-view. After that trip in India, not only are you going to have gender Mahal being the 
the WWE World Heavyweight Champion, but the Singh brothers will be tag team champs as well. No, I don't think they're going to do that. I think they will. I really believe it. I believe that they're going to, coming out of India, they're going to build this, and it's going to be like going into the next pay-per-view or going into Royal Rumble that we got to knock these guys back down to size. The Usos don't have anything to do at the moment, so it yeah. would it would be. It, I mean, they've got nothing. They're, the tag team scene on SmackDown is very weak at the moment. It's dead, other than the Usos and New Day, and yeah, and they've already fought like yeah. several hundred times this year. It feels like so. The bar is shit. Well, that's raw. Oh, I'm just saying. I'm, I'm looking at the tag team scene right now as a whole. Well, they've got. I mean, the club is shit. Well, they just can't figure out what they've to killed, do with the club. They've killed it. They've killed the bar. Well, the Revival's out with injuries. Jeff Hardy has an injury. Right. So there are two of your top tag teams right there. Right. So, yeah, yeah, on both sides, I don't really know. The tag team scene in WWE right now is terrible. It, it's really bad. Yeah, and you just had Harper and Rowan as the Bludgeon Brothers re-debut. That was really bad. So, uh, yeah, they've they've got some work to do on the tag team side, but we'll see what happens did you catch any of NXT War Games? I just watched the War Games match. I didn't watch any of the other pay-per-view. So you fill me in on the pay-per-view. We'll talk about War Games, and I'll give you my expect. I'll give you what I feel about the War Games afterwards. How about that? Yeah. Well, I thought NXT War Games was a tremendous show, but all these NXT Takeover events are. There's really, I've never seen a bad one. I've seen some that are better than others, but I've never seen a bad one. And this card had uh, a lot of great stuff on it. The opening match was uh, Lars Sullivan and Apollo Ono. I believe that's his name. Cassius Ono, not Apollo Ono, the speed skater. Cassius Ono, uh, formerly Chris Hero. Uh, that match stunk, I thought. Uh, that was They're building Lars Sullivan as a big monster. So it was pretty much just a, a jobber match. The rest of the card was very good. Uh, Alistair Black and Velveteen Dream. This Velveteen Dream guy, a guy that was apparently on a season of Tough Enough a few years ago, um, really proved me wrong because he's got this Prince gimmick. He's got a terrible gimmick, uh, but he did he did amazingly well in Alistair against Alistair Black, who is going to be a huge huge star in this company. He's got a great entrance. Uh, he's basically. We make comparisons a lot with Bray Wyatt and The Undertaker, but Aleister Black is 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 more of The Undertaker than than Bray Wyatt ever ever has been. And they put on a tremendous match, a match with a lot of great non-wrestling spots involving like uh Aleister Black has a signature pose almost like a he sits cross-legged in the ring almost like a like he's in a trance, like a séance or something and well, Velveteen Dream did the same thing. He wore the Rick Rude style airbrushed tights because hell yeah i'm glad to see that make a comeback the storyline the storyline was that velveteen dream was not in alistair black's league so alistair black refused to say his name so velveteen dream put airbrushed alistair black on his tights airbrushed say my name and that was at the end of the match it was a very close match uh they gave velveteen a lot of offense he did lose as expected but at the end of the match he sort of won because Alistair Black gets on the mic and says, live in infamy, Velveteen Dream. And so it's so rare in this company, especially for a guy to lose and still come out more over than he was going in because they don't seem to know how to do that anymore. Right. Uh, now it's when you lose, 
uh, you were jobbed out. You lost uh, your loser, and you fall way down the card. It's it's rare to come out of a loss and feel like you've moved up. Then we had the women's NXT title, which was vacant from Oscar uh, going to the main roster. Ember Moon finally won the belt, which was the right decision. It was an excellent match. The gal from Sanity, I can't remember her name at the moment. She took the fall. She didn't do much, but I'm glad to see Ember... Ember Moon finally win because she put on excellent matches against Asuka and would always come up short. So if she had lost again, it would have been uh, very bad. Then in a shocking move of the night, we had Drew McIntyre, Andrade Cien Almas, won the belt after what I thought would be a lengthy title run by Drew McIntyre. A surprise win, and Drew McIntyre was injured in the match. I don't know if that affected the outcome. It seemed like the outcome was definitely scripted for him to lose or... Maybe he was hurt going into it, but he's had an MRI on his shoulder, and now they have this, basically a surprise champion, and a champion that I feel is a placeholder for Aleister Black for the next TakeOver event, unfortunately, for Andrade Cien Almas, who they've done a great job rehabbing, because when he came in, he was wearing overalls, he had a top hat, he was a goofball, but now he's, well, he's basically... They took Alberto Del Rio's real-life situation, which was a party animal. He's got a very uh, attractive girlfriend who interferes in the match. They basically took the real-life Alberto Del Rio situation and turned it into his gimmick. And in the ring, he's always been solid. So this was a massive success in the rebuilding of this character because I thought they've always struggled with building a Latino superstar that didn't have a mask. I mean, outside of Rey Mysterio, which wasn't even their creation, I don't think they've ever really done a good job of this. No. I mean, you've got, even going back into the day of uh, Tito Santana, I mean, you got Jesse the Body Ventura calling him Chico. You know, I mean, you just, they've never done a a good job of, of this. And that led into the main event, the return after, well... In WWE storyline, it hasn't been done since that War Games we watched in 98. But there was actually... There was a War Games in in 99 and 2000. No, there was only one in 2000. It was Russo's Revenge, which was the triple-tiered cage uh, style of War Games. That doesn't count for some reason, but this style of War Games apparently does. Which is not the... (laughs) We'll get into that in a minute, but this involved the members of Sanity taking on the Authors of Pain with Roderick Strong, which was a very odd combination because Roderick Strong... Roddy is a total babyface, and the Authors of Pain are not babyfaces, so I don't know the storyline reason for them teaming together. The Undisputed Era, which is, of course, Red Dragon, Bobby Fish, and Kyle O'Reilly with Adam Cole, baby, uh, the Ring of Honor transferees. So that's... They did the style of the 98 War Games with three teams of three instead of two teams of five, which yeah. I think was a bit of... In my opinion, I would have liked to have seen the five on five. I'd like to have... Uh, soapbox bitch time. If you're doing War Games, I want to see two teams of five on five. Bitch number one. Bitch number two. If you're doing War Games, it has nothing to do with the fucking shark cage. <laughs> well, they had to sell those toys. Did you no. see those toys they were selling? No, they had shark cages. I don't, I don't, I don't care about the fucking. They toys. They look like Ultimate X with uh, shark cages. I don't care about the fucking toys. This was bad, bitch. Soapbox number three. If you're gonna do war games, put a fucking lid on top of the cage. 
But if they did that, Patrick, they couldn't do all those big spots off the cage. I don't give a shit. Oh, you're a traditionalist. You yes. are just a... If you're going to do war games, do war games. Don't chop it up to make your own specific brand and then just throw the name on it. I only had a, a slight problem with the roof on the cage. Ultimately, I don't really mind that much. There not being a roof, it really... They did that one superplex spot off the off the top of the cage. Which, which was cool, I'll admit. Yeah, I mean, they, they did... A lot. Of, this was a bloody fucking match, by the way. Oh Just yeah, FYI. Well, they, that was one traditional war games they did uh, manage they to. Kept, they kept with, yeah, uh, by accident uh, because on multiple on multiple people, not just one. Yeah, because it was turned into mainly a weapons match, which is also, I know that war games sometimes does involve weapons, but to call this a war games match isn't technically what it was, what it turned out to be. Right. But it was still an excellent match. Turned into a Ravens Rules double cage. Double ring. Double ring, double cage. Yeah, it was like an Extreme Rules cage match. You remember the Ravens Rules match with Raven and DDP where he had like all these these toys, these weapons Plunder. And shit. Yeah, like Plunder, and it was all zip-tied to the cage walls and all that shit. Well, I mean, I remember the one with uh, Dean Ambrose, the That's Asylum true. match. Yeah, we did the Asylum to... match. It was the same damn thing, so... The only problem... So I had a slight problem with the roof on the cage. I mean, that is tradition, okay? I mean, they could have found a unique way to eliminate the roof off the cage. You know, someone could... The Authors of Pain could have slid a panel off the roof or whatever, you know. Slid a whole side up, you know. Crawled up there and thrown a, a panel over the side. I don't know what you do. I guess there's too much liability in that. The bigger problems I had with the actual rule structure was the idea that all when when the timer ran out, the rest of the teams were released all at once. It wasn't just one member of the team. Right. So when the timer goes off, s- sanity, all of sanity gets to go to the yeah. ring. When the timer runs out, the rest of the authors of pain get to go to the ring. Right. And so I just thought that was kind of... Stupid. Especially when you're on your own network. You can go as long as you want to. Roderick Strong, Adam Cole, and Eric Young. The stars. The leaders of their groups. They kicked, started the match. Kicked ass in this match. They come. They went in with an opportunity of making a statement of being the first of a generation to bring back what was a legendary concept. They went in there, they tore the house down, they kicked ass. Now, I don't know any of the other guys in the match. Knowing Adam Cole and Eric Young, they were going to do whatever it took to tear the house down. And then you add Roderick Strong in there. It was going to be an absolute, wonderful, perfect, done match with the capabilities of what these, these three men could do. With that being said, WWE fucked it up because they didn't put... A lid on it, and in my concept, they didn't put a lid on it because they didn't want it being confused with Hell in a Cell. The whole point of War Games is it's a tight, closed cell where you can get body pressed and thrown your back thrown into the top of the cell or the top of the cage. You can get thrown into the sides of the cage. It's a small, closed knit place. Well, and it's also designed to prevent interference, but their interference didn't play into this match at no. all, anyway. But it very could it it easily could have. Oh yeah, it yeah, because there was nothing have. to stop someone. I mean, you could have just walked in the gate. Actually, the gate wasn't even right closed. Right. <laughs> so, which was weird, but whatever. They also had some strange rules about if you leave the cage, your team is eliminated, which I thought was going to come into play. 
No, it didn't. No, it didn't. That was their way of explaining why we didn't have a roof on it. Yeah, but they could just go out the door if they wanted to. But I thought they were going... By having by even saying that, by having the announcers saying that, I thought this is going to come into play and one of the teams is just going to leave. Right. Or, you know, get thrown out. Right. And then we're going to have two teams and then they fight to the end or whatever. I mean, well, where... Okay. I love the, the superplex from the top. But at the same point in time, if you're going to say that, Adam Cole climbs up there, Eric Young should have just shoved him off and he went flying down to the floor. Adam Cole and his team's eliminated. Exactly. Well, the logic, yeah. yeah. There was some logic gaps by having the roof off the cage. And, and also the idea of, yeah, why even go for a pinfall when I can... There's a door right over there. I can just try and shove you out because I only need to get one of you out and yeah. your team is gone Right. with these rules. Right. But they never came into play anyway. So I thought that was odd that they used that stipulation but didn't do anything with it. Then, yeah, the plunder... Uh, Killian Dane brought the tables. The, the Houston crowd, for some reason, tables were the biggest star of the night. Like I didn't know if he called. I didn't know if he called an audible to get the tables, or if that was just always the plan. I mean, how did the crowd just know we need tables in this match? And so, no, I think when they saw the Kindle sticks come out, they said, "Okay, this is they're plunder." Like, well, they were like, "All right, well, if they're grabbing shit, then we're going to yell what we want. We want chairs and we want tables." And he was very, very able and willing to give them exactly what they wanted. And did he ever? Because these fucking tables were the show stopper. They were sturdy tables. God almighty. For for gimmicked tables. These these weren't Japan uh, these weren't Japanese tables. They, they broke. Didn't bro- they did break. But, but uh Alexander Wolf's head would probably uh like that they broke a little better. Yeah. Because he How was- many st- he got staples or stitches? He got he got some work done. Uh, he was a, a mess. He after was that. Uh, uh, there was there was another guy with his back got split wide open. I can't remember who that one was. And I think Eric Young had a bloody nose. Eric Young, well, in the top of Eric Young's head, I believe as well. But even then, uh, the cameras did a good job of not you know trying not to shoot it. Yeah, trying not to focus on it. But there was some definite. Well, after after he had split the back of his head open, um, there was a puddle of blood on the mat. Yeah, it was bad. They're setting up for the for the. They got to get in the position for the superplex, right? Yeah. Well, the referee's telling them, "Listen, you you got your cue. You got to go over there." And, and the guy was out cold, so they ended up doing the superplex without him. I think they were just fine with all the people to catch him. Yeah. I look, the superplex spot was excellent, but I when you have a whole crowd catch you, it kind of look. I kind of I'm not big on that. Whatever. It kind of defeats the purpose. Okay, and my final complaint, which isn't much of a complaint, but. Uh, there's uh, one other rule they, they forgot, and that is the submit or surrender uh, rule. Yeah, there's no fucking pinfall in war games. But there was a pinfall in this war game. Yeah, I know that. And there was a pinfall in that war games we watched from 98. I, so. Yeah, I know. You know, here's what, here's what really pisses me off. War games was started by Dusty Rhodes. Concept, brainchild of Dusty Rhodes. You sit at ringside... The oldest son of Dusty, Dustin Rhodes, a.k.a. And he was loving it. He was soaking it in. And you sit at ringside, the man who started more war games than any other man walking on this earth in AA Arn Anderson. 
You sit both of them at ringside and you tell them, oh, we're going to live up to your father's expectations. We're going to try and make you proud. We're going to make you proud. And you chop it all to shit. Well, look, it was still an excellent match. You can't you can't say it wasn't. It, it wasn't. An, I mean, it was an excellent match. But it wasn't an excellent war game. It was match. not war game. Yeah. It was, it was you took a concept and twisted it. You created your different thing. It was it was a teamed a plunder match where a cage was used. It was no different if you put weapons inside of an elimination chamber match. Exactly, yeah. And instead of having one ring, had two. That no different. Hell, at least then it would have had a lid on top of it. <laughs> yes. I mean, what I don't like about the submit or surrender stipulation is also that it tells me that they couldn't ha- they couldn't sacrifice any of these nine guys to submit. Is that what it's come to in pro wrestling, that you are such a bitch if you submit? Why is it so bad? Authors of pain... They're not going to be tapping out. They should have. Why? That Because you have built them up to be the baddest fucking team on NXT, okay? Yeah. You put them in a, in a match of called War Games, and they scream holy fucking hell and they tap. Do you know what kind of a statement that makes of... Your how brutal this match was that these badasses they said fuck you I'm out one out. Well, see when you put it like that I think that they made a good idea not to have the tap because then yeah they you built them up so well I think it I think it would have been better to have Ellering throw in the towel for them maybe they're getting beat down so because he was the only manager uh, well Sanity has the female member Nikki Cross could have come down and thrown in the towel for Sanity I guess but they th- sh- they should they should have tapped because then that literally would have stated. These two badass guys, these, these, this tag team that we have built to unbelievable standards couldn't withstand the dangerous, maniacal, horrifying concept of war games. And then that takes what, if you're going to keep it like this, okay? And I think they're onto something here. You have Hell in a Cell for WWE. You take war games for NXT. If you have a group of guys that are having issues, you're wanting to make that statement that this is going to be our go-to match to end all, be all. We're you know, this is the end of the feud. This is the end of the feud. This is going when this is going to be the 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 burn the burn off match. Then you needed to make a statement not only in the match itself, but that the match is that bad of that that is it's that badass it's that hardcore it's that terrifying it's that horrible to be a part of and i didn't get that concept even though people were bloodied at the end of the match i didn't feel like anybody was beaten too badly you know no. I, I don't feel like this hurt any of them which is i guess the reason no one taps but it just reminds me that no one taps out to anybody anymore unless Hell no. unless you're a top star unless you're cena Unless you're Lesnar, I guess, maybe an AJ, an absolute top guy. Don't worry about tapping out because we're not going to make you. Even in a match where <laughs> the ending was, you know, was originally, Ta- you, that's the only way to get out. Tap out or say I quit. Uh, uh, so Adam Cole, I thought, looked really great in the match, especially with his uh, cowardly crawling on the top of the cage. Again, that doesn't make any sense because if someone goes up there, they could just shove him off. off. Push him off. But I, I did- was I was watching the match and I'm seeing Eric Young. I, I loved Adam Cole crawling across the top. That was yeah. that was very well done. But I see Eric Young climb up the cage to go after him two or three times and I'm like, just push him the fuck off. 
Like I'm, I'm literally screaming at the TV, going, "You've made these rules. Use them to your advantage." And they didn't. So I thought, I thought he had a great match. The Authors of Pain had their spots in the match where they looked very, very good. Didn't get much from Roddy. Sanity, Eric Young had his moments, but Killian Dane was the breakout star of Sanity. I mean, he got out all the plunder. He did all the big power moves from the plunder. Damn, that is a big dude, by the way. Yeah, Big Damo from uh, Ireland, I believe, was his uh, former indie name. He is, Yeah, he is a big dude. He, he is, is the next Braun Strowman. That is a big man. Yeah, but he doesn't have the height. See, that's yeah. the only thing that's going to hold him back is because Vince, oh, he's too small Yeah, and never make it in this business. Yeah. Here, be he's, a comedy jobber. He's about the same size as Lesnar, though. I mean... I think he's much shorter than Lesnar. Do you really? Yeah, just from looking... I mean, I have no idea. Because, I mean, you can't even get a straight answer on, you know, gimmick yeah. tights on the web or whatever, yeah. so... No, he really... He's he's a big man, He's though. a beast. I didn't, he, I didn't realize how massive this guy was, but until I watched this pay-per-view. And he's he's big. So, uh, any other news from this week? Uh, Paige comes back. Monday Night Raw. She proved me wrong, Patrick, because I said it wouldn't happen. I said she wouldn't be back, but she came back, so. She walked away from death's door. (laughs) It wasn't that bad. Of drugs and Alberto Del Rio to take back her rightful place in the women's revolution. Well, she brought up some NXT call-ups with her. They did the same thing on SmackDown with some different ones, so... Guess what? A women's Royal Rumble coming your way in January. Stay tuned for you that. I think so. I They've got enough, I think, to do at least a 20, 20 person. 20 woman Royal Rumble. Especially if you have a, a Nikki Bella coming back for maybe one spot in that match. Might even have a Brie. Maybe. Maybe she would like that. Brie could be a, a quick in and out kind of thing. And you could have some of the ladies from the Mae Young Classic just as, you know, to be eliminated. Ivory's Ivory's birthday was this week. Ivory turned fifty seven. Still in great shape. Love you, Ivory. I, it'd be cool to see like you know some legends come back in in a women's match, like earn a women's Royal Rumble, like they do the men's with you know somebody like an Ivory or or Jackie or Paige returned with her little faction, and they've got a faction, a similar faction on SmackDown. I don't know where they're going other than the a Royal Rumble match, unless they're unless they're considering a women's tag division. Um, which they very well could be. That would be cool to see. To have so many of them floating around, I just it's a little, it's a little much. Especially when there's so much filler on the show already. Like you can't, we can't even get all the wrestlers on the show. And now you 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 know you add more titles. So I well, you're gonna have a wrestling show. I guarantee you. Mark my words. I guarantee you. Within three years, you will have a wrestling show every single night. On TV or the network. Well, we had Roman Reigns win the IC belt on Raw, so he is a Grand Slam champion. Oh, God, don't get me started. <laughs> so, congrats to him. He's well on his way to uh, being the next Ric Flair, the next Hulk Hogan. He's almost there. So, congratulations to Roman Reigns. Roman couldn't lace Ric Flair's boots. He couldn't wear his jock strap. Let's put it honest. I mean, well, I don't think he'd want to wear someone else's jock strap, but that's just my humble opinion. Well. Reigns is a piece of shit. Anyway. Uh, Starcade happened over the weekend. Uh, yes. The- I knew I was missing something. Starcade. Um, I heard it was a great success. Uh, the live crowd loved it. I mean, it, it's taking a house show. It's a great idea to make a house show worth going to. Uh, they did not televise it, which I think was a mistake. But at the same time, if you're trying to sell tickets, 
you can't televise it. Right. So I thought it was a great idea, especially for the Greensboro Coliseum. Arn Anderson did a spine buster. Really? He did. He got in the ring and did a spine buster. Now, have you seen video footage of this? Because I want to see this. Yeah, I can bring it up here, I think. Okay, so Dolph grabs a chair. Arn is a special enforcer in this match. Of course, he's the enforcer Arn Anderson. He says, you can't have that chair. Put it down. Dolph, with his hair on frizz level 20, says no. Oh, Oh, Dex Dex, an old man. Look, I love that security guard behind Dolph who's just letting this happen. Yeah. He just let an assault happen. Oh, I love that Austin 316 guy. You know that guy was watching NWA back in the day. (laughs) So, Arn selling the head wound from the uh, the punch. That's good. Dolph, oh, going to go in the ring. Slides the chair in. Referee grabs the chair. Good Patrick. Oh, Charles Robinson. Charles Robinson. Oh, he's going to hand it to his buddy Arn, I bet. No. No, he's trying to slide it out. Oh, Arn's pissed. Oh, no, Arn's in the ring with his bumping pants on. Oh, Arn slides in. This shit is on. Uh Uh-oh. Oh, Oh, yeah, baby. (laughs) Yeah, baby. Shove him. Shove him. Charles is going to help him out. Come on. Okay, we got to stare down. Arn says bring it. This crowd is going to pop so hard for this. Oh, hell yeah. I'm popping for that. That was badass. Hell yeah. (laughs) So there you go. And... Fuck yeah, and Bobby Roode. And Bobby Roode takes all the heat for Bobby Roode, that's awesome. Hell yeah. Bobby. Glorious DDT. Glorious DDT. One, two, three. Wow, that was beautiful. That is awesome. (laughs) That is awesome. That is awesome. Those guys got a real treat that went to that event. Hell yeah. And they got to see the return of the natural Dustin Rhodes. No shit. Are you serious? (laughs) I, now you're pissed that we didn't go. Son of a bitch! <laughs> That's right. He took off the gold dust paint and went as Dustin Shit. Rhodes. Plus, we had the Rock and Roll Express. So, so, uh, so those guys got. It didn't look like they drew a big house, though. It doesn't. It? But who gives a shit? I wanted. To, man, we should have went. Son of a <laughs> bitch, we should have went. Yeah, I mean, how often are you going to see Arn hit a spine buster these days? That's true. So, yeah, Starcade. Anyone who knows me, know, uh, you know this. I love Arn Anderson. I Arn Anderson is the guy to see Arn. Well, Anderson, we saw it on our last review. Well, two reviews ago. To see Double A back in the ring, even just to throw a spine buster, that's badass, man. That that's that's really cool. That match he had uh, against Flair at that War Games, yeah, just reminded me how great he was. And then to see it there, I mean, just from two weeks ago. That's oh god, that's beautiful. That's it, awesome. Yeah, it is. Yeah, we missed something. Should have made the trip. We should have, dude. We could have. That's, what, three-hour drive from here? <laughs> yeah, for a house show, yeah. We should have fucking did it. But I think it's a great idea to make a house show it special. Is. It so. is. I would love to see more of things like that, like a Havoc, Halloween Havoc. Or, yeah, it would have uh, been easy. It's so easy to do. It costs you nothing. Yeah. Just throw a special name on there and say, hey, we're doing a co-brand show. It could be a, it could be like a once-a-month house show pay-per-view without the pay-per-view. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you throw that name gimmick on there and you give it a co-brand show like that, people are going to drive the distance to go see it. And we said goodbye to a dear friend this week as the Georgia Dome was imploded. The site of many great WCW moments and some of the worst. Two, some of the most defining moments in WCW history happened at the Georgia Dome, including the finger poke of doom. Uh, Hogan, uh, Hulk Hogan tweeted out and said... uh, Instead of using all that dynamite, all they needed to do was uh, 
call up him and Goldberg, have them touch one more time, and that would have brought the house down for sure. Uh, the Miz tweeted out that he, um, of course, yeah, WrestleMania twenty seven, you know, our, our first WrestleMania yeah, together. So yeah, we yeah. had special moments at the Georgia Dome. The Georgia Dome, in all seriousness, though, the Georgia Dome was a special. We place. had excellent seats for that thing too. It was a special place in my heart, and uh, and I was very sad to see it go. Uh, but it's just a building, Patrick. It's like I put on Facebook, though. You know, sometimes a building, a venue can make an event. And rarely enough, the Georgia Dome had that ability. Yeah, but it's it's not a... It, you know, I think what visually, it's usually that that aspect. that Because like, when they run MSG, you can tell it's Madison Square Garden from the right. way it looks. Right. When they run the Hammerstein Ballroom like they will in January for Raw, you can tell like where they're at. They're actually going to be in two places for that raw it's going to be a disaster but um or those ecw shows yeah the ecw arena it's not because it's some that's the only thing the that's the only knock i'm going to have on the georgia dome is that visually you can't tell it from any other arena from looking at it but uh it, it just it was sad it's sad to see uh and it was blocked by a marta bus on the weather channel so dude man just when you think you have your camera set up As, for the perfect shot. No, we were there for the last show at the uh, Georgia Dome. Monster trucks, yes. Yeah, we tore it down. That they night. could have just torn it down. They should have. They would have helped them. They 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 tore the house down literally that night, and so uh, we sent it out in style. We did. Oh, we did not mention Kamala. He's uh he's doing great. Oh, I wouldn't say great. He's but. uh well, I mean he's he's getting better by by the day. And so, uh, we wish you well, buddy. Yeah, the Gondon uh, Giant. Yes, this was Jason Tick's pick. The 1992 Royal Rumble. The tagline was, every man for himself. And it and it, that's usually what it is. In the well, that's Royal what James Ellsworth's having to realize nowadays, too. So, James- Oh, yeah. Well, before, yeah, before we get into the review, James Ellsworth, well, you know, they released him, but an amazing what an accomplishment what a yeah. what, a, what a thrill ride the yeah. ultimate thrill ride uh for this guy to be a lifelong indie wrestler uh, a guy with no look you know you know no dub no mainstream look uh nothing really that's going to draw him to this company works one jobber match with braun Strowman, and it, it turns into a an, a year and a half run and uh, uh championship opportunities against aj styles in, in my opinion he got to wrestle the best wrestler in the world at the moment. He had a he had a world a WWE World Heavyweight Title match. Who else can say that? He also got to wrestle the first intergender match in many years against Becky Lynch and get jobbed out. Well, that yeah. His elimination from the Royal Rumble was epic. He got to grab the very first all women's Money in the Bank briefcase. <laughs> That's right. He won. He won the uh, original women's Money in the Bank, uh, exploiting the loophole in the rules where. You're, you can just do that, apparently. Yeah. How many Money in the Banks have there been, and the men have never thought about this? When they do Money in the Bank from now on, like, you need a... If if Jeff Hardy's in it, you need a mat just to run out there and grab it and throw it down to him. And be like, there you go, he wins. Anybody. Yeah. It's it's brilliant. It was very well done. So, congratulations to him for... He, he accomplished a lot in a, in a year and a half's time. He had his... You know, he had a WrestleMania moment. He uh, 
He he was able to do everything that he wanted to, and so uh, if the rumors are true, they wanted him to dress up like a woman to keep going, but I that idea was scrapped. But anyway, the I think he had he had done pretty much everything that that he could do. I don't I don't think there's anything more he could have. They were not going to elevate him any further. So. Unfortunately, no. And uh, and a man who's a very talented wrestler as well. That's what sucks. So, uh, but he'll make a lot of money on the convention circuit. I mean, hell yeah, the will. fact that Gilberg, you know, has a table. James Ells- James Ellsworth will be just fine. He will. He's going to get work. I he's, mean, there's there, get, there's no doubt. Yeah, he'll he'll be just fine. This yeah, helped man. him out immensely. So Jason Tick, a listener on our Facebook page, the Retro Wrestling Podcast Facebook page, requested this. It was my pick uh, for the week, so I burned it for a fan request, which is fine. Not a problem. No big deal. So technically, Jason, we would like to thank you for your for your uh, your pick here, and we're going to give you the best that we can. Uh, he actually, where I would, you think of Royal Rumble 1992, you think of. The Royal Rumble match. Of course, you, Jason, you have to. Jason actually wanted to us us to discuss the uh, the LOD versus uh, Natural Disasters match and spend more of our frequent time on that, which is not a problem. We will do our absolute well, best. Well, considering what else was on the card, that won't be hard to do. Because, no, that won't be hard uh, to do. Jason, I hate to tell you this, buddy, but uh, there's a new winner for worst match I ever saw on this review show. And it happens on this card, and, and I think Patrick knows exactly which one I'll pick. But we'll we'll see. Maybe we'll see. maybe maybe it'll be you know the maybe I hate the Royal Rumble match more than anything else. But anyway, I very highly doubt that. So. <laughs> it's January nineteenth, nineteen ninety two. The brand new year is upon us. Seventeen thousand at the Knickerbocker Arena in Albany, New York, upstate New York. What is a Knickerbocker? Pants. Really. Yeah, your knickers, your oh, pants. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Okay. Yes, yeah, so the New York Knicks are the New York pants. Okay. Yes, so there you go. The build for the epic Royal Rumble match, the title is on the line because that, that bastard Jack Tunney just wouldn't let Hulk Hogan cheat to win. You know what? I'm going to find this asshole. I'm going to bring him on our podcast, and I want to get to the bottom of all his doubt, his undermining well, just... Coward ways. I've got some bad news for you. Jack Tunney is unavailable um, permanently, unfortunately. Really? Yes. Jack Jack Tunney passed away, was not acknowledged by the company when he passed away. He's on bad terms with the company and on bad terms with the fans because, let's face it, he is a terrible president of the company. <laughs> he plays favorites. He changes rules. He was just a terrible figurehead. And uh, it's surprising that in this day that we still have wrestling figureheads considering he did such a bad job i mean he he get booed he got booed he's supposed to be a baby face president basically but he was a hated heel i would say that's why we were so happy that we got gorilla monsoon next was piper before gorilla no it was gorilla then vader attacked gorilla piper filled in okay then it uh it went to sergeant slaughter then we had Sean, then we went back to Slaughter. It gets, yeah. Then we went to Foley. Then we, yeah, so. On and on and on. Yeah. Anyway, long story short, though. So, Tony has fucked up, basically. All right. (laughs) Vince is in love with the Royal Rumble entrance because he barks his way 
through an amazing Royal... Names every competitor in the Rumble match to start this pay-per-view. He names everyone. It's I think he close. left some out, yeah. He left a few out, but it was close. Yeah, he left uh, Shiki Baby, I don't think was mentioned. No, Shiki wasn't. And that, I think they had some uh, last-minute changes, so I think some people got cut. For, he probably recorded it, and then they had to cut, they had to cut it out, the yeah. people that out of sense. it. That makes sense. Well, they even mentioned a couple of uh, people that had to drop out. I forget who they, who they named, sorry. In our dark match, we didn't get to see... Chris Walker defeated the Brooklyn Brawler, which they didn't put the Brooklyn Brawler over in New York. What are they doing? What? So, that, yeah. What? It was by disqualification as well? <laughs> yeah, they didn't even give you a clean finish on a dark match. Oh, that's fucked up. Gotta protect Chris Walker, man. Or gotta protect the Brawler, I guess, maybe. That's messed up. It's time to rumble! Bobby and Gorilla, the... uh some people's favorite announced team combo. They actually one of my favorites. It would be up there. I actually prefer Jesse better because I think Jesse did not because Bobby and Gorilla were friends, and so well, so were Jesse and Gorilla. They just yeah, but not Jesse knew how to call Gorilla on his bullshit, and it wasn't true. Bobby was sitting there trying to make Gorilla. Well, you stop. Yeah. Will you stop? Just trying to getting out his joke book for his buddy. Yeah, but still a very good announced team. I wouldn't put it tops. I mean, I mean, I grew up with Jr. and King, so that's going to have to be. My... Who is your greatest, excluding Jr. and King? Who is your greatest announce announcer of all time? Because I know you're going to probably say Jesse Ventura. I really liked what he did. I mean, I just, but he was playing the role of. A, you mean, do you mean a color commentator or play by play? Either one. You can't. No, no Jr. You know, honestly, no King. honestly, I know it was a very short time, but Paul Heyman. When he filled in for King, I, th- I oh I agree. Yeah, Heyman was great. He he offered insight. He put the right people over. I also think that he, uh, he was able to do just a little bit of comedy, but yet be serious when he needed to. When Joey Styles wasn't doing his oh my god when he wasn't cat fight all that bullshit, I think yeah. Joe Joey Styles is amazing. Yeah. And and he had to do it by himself a lot of the time. And yeah. that is probably the most impressive thing to me about. Joey Styles. I mean, there hasn't been a one-man call in WWE since, like, Lawler had a heart attack. So, like, I just find that to be very, very impressive. So, I would probably name those two. Yeah. And, I mean, you could go... I I could go old, you know, old school or whatever. Uh, Lance Russell would probably... But I just... I didn't grow up with... Lance and Gordon Soley would be... I would add into those... I would add those two into what you said... And uh, and those four, in my opinion, would be my go tos if I couldn't have Jr. or or King. But I just so. didn't. I didn't grow up with those guys, so I I just have to go from memory. See, I grew up with those guys, but yet you're older than me. That so is how not is that true. Possible? That is not. How true. is that possible? How is that? I don't know. We're in Albany, and it's a packed house and a lively crowd. A great crowd on hand. Ninety two was. The business was still hot. Hulkamania was still... Oh, it was the highest WWE was going to get for a very long time. Oh, because the lean, the lean years were a-coming. Yes. And they were coming fast. And, and it's because they have... It's because they have none other than the Nature Boy Ric Flair and the Hulkster himself. Right. They've got... I mean, this Royal Rumble uh, assembly, all the stars in the Rumble, I'd have to say might be the biggest... Like, as far as Hall of Famers, legends. This is the greatest rumble in the history of of, w, of wrestling, in my opinion. And But there are a few omissions. I mean, Perfect wasn't wrestling at the time, so he's not in the match. Yeah. Uh, Rick Rude had left for WCW, so he's not in the match. Warrior had left. 
So you are missing a few key players, but for the most part, this is stacked as far as Hall of Famers, legends, names that people will remember. Uh, This is probably the best group of 30 I think you could pick. Now, I know Warlord (laughs) is in there, so it's not complete. You know, it's not 30... 30 for 30, just like Ric Flair. It's, you know, there's a few. You have Virgil in here, too. So let's oh, see okay, yeah. So, uh, but anyway, it was Jerry Sags. Okay, look. Berserker. Berserker, Skinner. Skinner. No Brett, because he was sick. Hercules. Hercules. So. Repo. I, no, I like Repo. Repo. Repo's cool. But okay. So, say 24 of the 30 are just excellent. Yeah. Heenan is convinced that Ric Flair will win the Rumble tonight, which would be very strange if they'd put a heel over in the Royal Rumble. I don't think it, it's not going to happen. It's They're not going to be fair to Flair. No, they're not going to be fair to Flair. They're going to screw Flair. Hogan's going to pull his, his I'm Hulk Hogan, I do what I want, trump card, and Hogan's going to win the damn thing. Of course, he won the last two. Well, hell yeah. He's on a roll. He can do what he wants. He's Hulk Hogan. Who are you? The real world's champion, my ass. That's right. Uh, they run down the card tonight. Piper. Rowdy Roddy Piper, who is defending the honor of his sick friend, Bret Hart, is going to challenge... Roddy Piper has an opportunity. He has an opportunity to make history. In one night, he could become the Intercontinental Champion and the WWF World Heavyweight title. Hold on. Champion. Right the fuck there. <laughs> You announcers and you Patrick Young. Because if my memory serves me correctly, now I might have some amnesia, but it seems like the Ultimate Warrior, just a couple years prior, I seem to recollect him holding both belts high in the air. He didn't win both in one night, though. Oh, a technicality. I see. He didn't win both in one night. <laughs> that's so that's so cheap. That is so cheap, and it's because Warrior's not with the company. They want to stress that that this they want to bury that accomplishment. Oh yeah, but he didn't win both in one night. So oh, so he's there's still work left to be done. There's yeah. still a record to be. Yeah, it's always that's always the thing. They always have to find the fine print. When they finally beat Flair's 16 World Championships, they're going to acknowledge that he held like 24. And then they're going to start making people have to reach that goal. Exactly. So, Legion of Doom will take on the Natural Disasters. Two of the most over-tag teams ever will finally face off. Two teams that do the same gimmick, no-sell, will have to face off. Who will sell? We'll have to find out. I don't think anybody will. It's amazing anybody bumped for anybody. The Orient Express versus the New Foundation? I'm actually kind of excited about this. This match was actually, I thought... Very, very good. We'll get into that in just a minute. We also have the Beverly Brothers taking on the Bushwhackers. So we'll get into that in a minute, too. That's your card rundown. So The Fink is our announcer tonight. He announces the opening contest. It's the Orient Express taking on the New Foundation. And the New Foundation need to work on their tights because these guys... I kind of liked the old uh, the yellow and blue checkerboard kind of look. Uh, it was 1992 by now. I think it was time to go ahead and let go of the 80s. These guys, wrestling fashion is always a few years behind common trends, but these guys were stuck somewhere in the past. The Orient Express tonight, you might expect Akio Sato or Akio Sato and Pat Tanaka, but Akio is nowhere to be found. In fact, you get a guy named Kato who is masked, and they don't explain where the other guy is. 
and they don't tell you anything about him, but that is Paul Diamond wrestling under a mask. So there you go. That is who Kato is for the Orient Express, which is Pat Tanaka and Mr. Fuji accompanying him, correct? Correct. So the rocket Owen Hart took Brett's spot in the Hart Foundation, thus the new... The new foundation. But they never really talk about that. You have Owen and Jim the Anvil Neidhart. They never really mention that, though, that this is Owen Hart. They don't really stress the relation. He's just the rocket, He's just the rocket, Owen. They wanted to save that for later. Yeah. But they called him the new foundation, so you can figure it out. Owen will start with the masked Kato. Owen uses his speed to outpace Kato and catch him with deep arm drags, attacks his elbow... He bridges out of a few pin attempts and does a springboard backflip into an arm drag and a Hurricane Rana, a pin attempt. These moves not to be seen in this company for years before or years after. Very true. It was, he was way ahead of his time and yep. he looked amazing. Like, and he did all the work. Anvil did very little in this match. Anvil and Tanaka tag in. Tanaka can't lift Anvil for a power slam and then he gets shoved down. Owen gets right back in. They hit an Alabama slam into a second rope elbow drop combination on the Orient Express. Mr. Fuji. Mr. Fuji just watches on with his cane. Uh Uh-oh. The announcers, for some reason, despite not pointing out that they're brothers, decide to talk about how Brett lost the belt at a house show, the IC belt, to the Mountie because he was sick. Maybe because Anvil was in the match, I guess. Owen hits an Insiguri to Tanaka while they're talking about Brett. Anvil gets back in, double clotheslines the heels. Owen is tagged in, hits a double top turnbuckle crossbody to both of the heels, covered them both, got a two count. Kato is now the legal man somehow, despite no tag being made. We get a vertical suplex from Owen to Kato, who rolls out of the ring to recover. Tanaka cheap shots Owen, and Fuji canes him behind the ref's back. Patrick, if you had been in there, you could have stopped it. I could have. I really could have. But I probably would have had my back turned as well. Then Kato chokes him. And then Tanaka comes in without a tag, and he's a legal man now, and he takes over despite no tag. Kato super kicks Owen for a two count. Heenan wants to leave to go backstage to check to see which number Ric Flair has drawn in the Rumble. Apparently back when they used to draw before, you know. Yeah, and you find out due to Colin CM home video later on the number Ric Flair picks. The heels again choke Owen behind the ref's back. Tanaka whips Owen into the turnbuckle, sternum first this time, and gets a two count. Tanaka catches Owen with a super kick and gets a two. Kato puts Owen in a headlock, and Anvil awaits the hot tag. Owen crucifixes Kato for a two count. The heels keep Owen in their corner, and Tanaka headbutts Owen in the crotch behind the ref's back. Owen bulldogs Tanaka and crawls towards Anvil. Gets the visionary tag, but the ref doesn't see it. So the heels double-team Owen and ram him into Fuji's cane again. This man has taken two cane shots now. Owen gets a leg on the rope, so somehow he's pulled through this. And the match continues. A belly-to-belly from Owen to Tanaka, and Anvil really needs that hot tag, but Kato cuts him off again. Owen drop kicks both heels and finally gets the hot tag to Anvil. Anvil slingshots in and runs wild with slams to the Orient Express. A back body drop to Tanaka. He clotheslines Kato out of the ring, then steps out of the way, and Owen hits a suicide dive to take Kato out on the outside. They hit the rocket launcher, which is basically Owen just jumping over Anvil. Anvil does no work here. And Owen gets the pin on Tanaka. And there you go. The new foundation get a win. And the crowd popped for this. There's no story going into this match, but the crowd loved it. Mainly no, it because of match. Owen's offense. It was a good match. It was a good match. I really uh, I really enjoyed it. I uh, 
credit to all four men for pulling this off. Another spotlight on how great Owen Hart was. And yeah, I actually kind of like his this combination of Anvil and Owen better than Brett and Anvil. Yeah. Because I know I know Brett had to play the small man but to Anvil, but it works better with Owen, who actually is a... The smaller man. Yeah, and I... The small man, big man tag teams like uh, Kane and RVD, Enzo and Cass even. Like, I just... There's something about them that just works for me, like, that I always think is... That's the thing is you beat the shit out of the little man, and then... All, all he has to do is make that safe tag. And as soon as he makes that tag to the big guy, it's it, man. It's done. And to his credit, I mean, Owen did way more work than he had to because, I mean, yeah, that's the that's the formula to those matches. Is yeah. Owen could have just got punched around for 10 minutes and made the hot tag and game over. But yeah. Lord Alfred Hayes shows us how Brett lost the IC belt to the Mountie in Springfield, Mass. at a house show. Wrestling with the flu did not feel good. Brett's got a tummy ache. Piper ran in, though, after the match and saved Brett from a further beating. So Roddy Piper, this lifelong heel, is now a good guy and ran the Mountie off. He was just taking care of his brother. Y'all don't realize they're cousins. They were raised together. They were raised Even though we're supposed to believe that Piper is, you know, Scottish. He's Canadian in real life. In storyline, yes, he's Scottish. He's Scottish in everyone else's heart. But the Mountie doesn't let Piper save Brett without belt-shotting him with the IC belt. That's true. But Piper no-sells a belt-shot and attacks Mountie anyway. So that is the lead-in to this next matchup. Sean Mooney is with the Mountie and Jimmy Hart. Jimmy says Brett is sick from losing. Mountie rightly questions why Piper gets a shot on two days' notice. I agree. I would agree to that. He has a safe argument. Tunny, man. This guy. There's just no logic. He has a legitimate argument. So, But the Mountie, Patrick, what does he always do? He's a fighting champion. No, the Mountie always gets his man. The events that took place this past Friday evening in Springfield, Massachusetts, definitely turned out to be a shocking experience. Let me reiterate the fact that Brett the Hitman Hart went to the ring against the advice of his doctors with a 104 degree temperature. Oh, please. I guess he's in General Hospital somewhere, and I guess me and the Mountie, I guess we better get him a get well card. But let me tell you something, baby. He's not sick with the flu. You know what he's sick from? He's sick from losing! Comments like that. Hey, I want to know something, Jack Tunney. What's the win and loss record of Piper? What gives him the right to step in today on two days' notice? I should have won this match today by forfeit. But don't worry about it, Piper, because the man that I am, the champion that I am, I'm going to do to you what I did to Bret Hart. I took his pride, his integrity, and the belt away from him. You, I'm going to take your skirt, your manhood, and whatever's left, because the bounty always gets his mind. Gene is with Rowdy Roddy Piper, who implies the Mountie is gay. He says he's going to take his manhood. He wants to win two belts. And he says the Mountie has been having wet dreams. Well, you know, what we're dealing with is one of the original village people here. With his mate, Jimmy Hart, who keeps kissing the belt, leaving all that lipstick on it. I heard the Mountie out here saying... First thing I'm going to do, pounds his chest. I don't know, hand me something. First thing I'm going to do, says I'm going to take Piper's integrity. It's like Jacques Cousteau trying to find a dry spot in the ocean. I ain't got no damn integrity. You think I got so far? Second thing I'm going to do, I'm going to take Roddy Piper's manhood. 
Ah, I come here to fight. I don't know what you come here to do. I come here to win two titles. I can't do that till I win the first one. I think you've been dreaming. I think it's been all wet, too. Oh, on that note, let's get back to ringside. This actually was a great promo. This was a great interview promo piece for uh, for Piper. Uh, not for children, though. I don't. No. This was uh, very odd. The IC contest is next. The champ is out first. The Mounties theme has been dubbed over on the WWE Network. How blasphemous. Do you know who the Mountie is? The Mountie is one of the Rougeaus. Yes. The Jacques. Yeah. Yes, the Rougeau brothers. Uh, the other one retired, so he became Ray, the Mountie. Ray Rougeau now still works for the company as a French commentator. Right. Jacques, however, doesn't. But yes, this is Jacques, Jacques Rougeau. Then Piper gets a massive response to his bagpipe theme. Piper soaks it all in. He is just grandstanding and hot-dogging as he enters the ring. Roddy chants break out. He was a bad guy, guys. Why are we... He's just too good. He he came he came to say our he came to save our beloved Brett the Hitman Hart. So we love him now. And he came to save America from the Mountie by protecting even though he's Canadian too. Never mind. I was gonna say, you do realize all three men are Canadian, right? That is true. Okay. Roddy attacks Mountie with his kilt before the belt. Ding ding DQ. Roddy blew his shot right off the bat. The bell didn't ring. Oh. Mountie bails to the outside, but Piper runs him down and brings him back. Piper lands a nice bulldog. Piper misses a drop kick, and Mountie rams his head into the turnbuckle a few times. Gorilla and Bobby argue the entire match about Brett and wrestling sick, and whether he was faking it or not, or whatever. Piper sunset flips Mountie for a two count, a big back body drop to the Mountie, an atomic drop, and Mountie skins the cat, a very impressive feat for the Mountie, but accidentally runs into Jimmy's microphone as he's going for a clothesline. Piper applies the sleeper, and in the quickest hand raising of three times for to check to see if you're awake, Rowdy Roddy Piper is the new Intercontinental Champion. That's right. His only singles title ever in the WWE. That's right. Yeah, it is. And also, this is strike one for his two strikes, and he's wins for the night. He's halfway home to he being halfway to he, history. He is getting ready. He's in. He's halfway to making. WWE history. Bobby is convinced that the sleeper is an illegal choke. Referee Patrick Young, is the sleeper an illegal choke? No. Why? Because the sleeper, if you apply it, it's not on your throat or your Adam's apple. It's up right below the chin, your glands there to prevent blood flow to the brain. Now, if you slide it down a little lower, then it becomes a choke, and then we got a problem. Piper, who's the good guy... Uses Jimmy Hart's stun gun. Who? Why Jimmy Hart had a stun no, gun? No, this is Mountie's stun gun. This is a horse stunner. Oh, just like Scott Hall just would like use. It's like a cattle prod. It's a cattle prod for him riding his horse oh. as he is being the Mountie. the Mountie on horseback throughout the entire country of Canada. This is his horse prod, and, uh, and he decides he's just going to go ahead and shock the Mountie. Because the Mountie was going Shocks Jacques. Yeah. The Mountie was going around shocking everybody else with it. So, you know. By the way, Piper, the good guy, attacks a man with a weapon after the match. It's all right. He's the good guy. We love him. We'll forgive him. The place goes nuts, and Piper looks so happy to have this belt, and he hoisted it in the air. He was genuinely happy to. He finally, after all these years, Piper finally got a little bit of recognition. 
he'd be losing it at WrestleMania. In a man with a great uh, career, a storied career of highlights, this is definitely a highlight. And Yeah, I, I really do. I love this match. However, our next match is not so well. Oh, gosh. Yes. Lord Alfred Hayes is outside Hulk's locker room. Hulk is just staring into a mirror over his sink. He's just in th- deep in thought, I guess, looking for the ultimate warrior in the mirror. He well, ter- you know something, Lord Alfred. He tells the Lordship he's going to defeat 29 other people, and he talks about sipping tea because, of course, Lord Alfred Hayes, you're British, so you know a lot about tea, my friend. Terrible promo. Pip, pip, chittias. It was awful. It was bad. And that is for Coliseum Home Videos only. Mean Gene is with the Bushwhackers and Jameson. This, ladies and gentlemen, is promo of the night. As the Kiwis scream nonsense and Jameson does his Jameson thing with his tie in his mouth. What are you talking about? Jameson says he's going to beat up that... Oh, that nasty genius. I'm going to beat him up. Yeah. Me, Gene, I've never been excited in all my life. Beverly sisters, this is your final fling. And genius, <laughs> we have a surprise for you, don't we, Cousin Butch? Oh, yeah, and that surprise is in front of millions and millions of all our bushwhackaroos, Mean Gene. And when we get finished with those Beverly sisters and the genius, we're going to feed them all to our mate, Bloody Jameson! Yeah, that's me. <laughs> Just give me one minute alone with that that's genius. Right, I'm going to thrash him. Whoa, you got it, Jameson. Do you have Mr. Blackwell's telephone number? Huh? Maybe he's got yours. Thank you very much. The Beverly Brothers are out with the genius of glory and renown. And I was like, oh, genius is here. At least he's going to read a great poem. Oh, his poem stunk. I hope you actually put it in here because I found it to be so... So shitty, it was entertaining. Rejoice in all the splendor of the brothers Beverly as they fulfill my genius master plan. And I, the genius, must defile that waste of human tissue. That Jameson who calls himself a man. (laughs) Like, it really was that bad. It was the highlight of the match, I'd have to say that. It was so shitty, it was entertaining. It was very, yeah. And that's that's not knocking, uh... It's not knocking him. Lanny Poffa. Yeah, that's not knocking Lanny at all. It's just, it was very... He's th- done better. He has done a lot better. The Kiwis come out with Jameson. Yes. Bushwhacker Luke licks a guy's face on the way to the ring. That's just gross. That's what they did. I don't want that, no. If you were sitting ringside at a show and the Bushwhackers come out... Step away. Yeah. If you don't want to get licked, you need to go to the bathroom or the concession stand. At least for the entrance. I believe Butch licked a kid's face on the way to the ring, too, which I think might be against the law. I don't know. I would not lick... Don't lick random people's faces in general. Bobby, of course, empties his joke book on Jameson because they were they were mates from the Bobby Heenan show. That's right, so yeah. Jameson is terrible. This is Jameson's one match that he's featured in, in his entire run. And you can see why, because this is, ladies and gentlemen, my new worst match I've ever seen... This is this is on the pay per view. This is worse than Bachwinkle and Dory Funk Jr. Oh my God in heaven! This is way worse. This is at least they had a plan. At least they had an idea. Yeah. 
this is nothing. This is just garbage. This is... I want to know... Wait a minute. Okay. We haven't even got to this point yet, but his, I've been biting my tongue. Why the fuck was Jameson pulling rolls out of his pocket and eating them at ringside? I don't know. I don't know what... His comedy stylings. This was this was a guy that was allegedly a comedian. I don't know what his allegedly. Let's, yeah, yeah. Eating his tie, messing with my glasses. I don't know what he was doing. I don't. He couldn't even do the bushwhacker walk. Hell no! This was this was bad. This was. I want to see Jamison actually wrestle though. I want to see him get in there. I w- I was wanting it to be a six on six. Or, I mean, a three-on-three, a six-man tag. At least it would have been something. I just need somebody to do something. Yeah. These people didn't do anything. Yeah. These teams, the Bushwhackers, they just want a grandstand and hot dog. They want to do their Bushwhacker walk. They want to walk around the ring. They want to stand in the ring. They want to lick each other's face. Okay, that's fine. The Beverly Brothers, they're the heels anyway. Why didn't they just jump these guys and beat the shit out of them? That's what I wanted to see. But no, they just stand there. Hey, just whatever. We you guys can just do whatever. Yeah. We'll just wait here. I would call moves here, but nothing happens no. other than Jameson eating a bread roll. Yeah. And his tie. Boring chance lightly break out. All the bushwalkers do is hot dog and grandstand and get kicked, and then guess what? They roll out of the ring and they do it again. They just want they don't want to wrestle. The Kiwis finally decide, you know what, I guess we'll do something. So they double team the Beverly's who bail outside. They don't want to fight either. No No one wants to fight in this wrestling match. So the Bushwhackers pose again in the ring. Gorilla and Bobby have no idea which Beverly brother is which, and they have no idea which Bushwhacker is which, so they don't name names, and I can't really either. Sorry. And for this match, they don't deserve their names to be known. They don't deserve anything. The highlight of this match was when the genius got fed up, pissed off, went over, and just knocked the shit out of Jameson. Yes, who had been chewing on his tie. Luke botches a knee. The one movie tried. He botches a knee to one of the Beverly's. After Jameson gets slapped by the genius, he hitted me. He hitted me. He hitted me hard. Axe handled a Luke for a two count and a neck breaker followed by a leg drop. Gorilla says it was right on the occipital protuberance or the uh, head. Bobby is ready to ring the bell. He is ready for this match to be over, as am I. We all are. Butch hits the battering ram on the Beverly's, but only gets a two. The Beverly's hit an axe handle, and mercifully, the Beverly's, after all that, mercifully, in this match. By the way, this match went. Now, we could only give 522 to Roddy Piper, one of the greatest of all time. But for Beverly Brothers and Jameson, 1456, Patrick. The match went longer than LOD Natural Disasters. Dear God. It almost it almost went as long as the new foundation match. I mean, this was horrific. This made me want to turn the pay-per-view off. Yeah. If I didn't know what was coming on later on the match, I would have turned it off. And if I'd ordered this on pay-per-view or closed circuit TV or whatever, I would have been furious. I might have been calling the cable company and asking for a refund. Yeah, mid pay-per-view. Cut it off. There's only two matches left after this. This is half the show. Yeah. So a new low in retro wrestling podcast history was achieved today. And your boys, your your old school classic wrestlers that you love so much that sit around and do rest holds all day, well, they're off the hook because these guys suck. These guys suck hard. This is the worst thing I've ever seen uh, pro wrestling match-wise ever. Thank you. Mean Gene is with the Road Warriors, who are the tag champs. 
Animal and hawk shout they want to throw the disaster's weight around, and their tongues will hang out of their mouths like dead deers, says Hawk. Always such such a beautiful poet. We have seen one title match here tonight, and another one right around the corner. The Natural Disasters challenging Hawk and Animal, the Legion of Doom, for the World Tag Team Championship belt. That's right, me Gene. As we said before, the Legion of Doom will never be closet champions. We will face all challengers like we've done in the past. And now we got the biggest team in the World Wrestling Federation history, the Natural Disasters, almost a half a ton between them. Well, that's okay with us because we're the champs and we ain't gonna start losing now. Right, Hawk? Well, Mean Gene, you know what makes us sick besides everything? Typhoon and Earthquake, they make us real sick. You see, they want to throw their weight around. Well, that's okay. We want to throw your weight around, too. And when we're done with you, and we still got the belts, your tongues will be hanging out like dead deers. Jimmy Hart accompanies Typhoon and Earthquake. He's getting a lot of work tonight. Jimmy always got a lot of work. Jimmy Hart, he, but he's doing... He's taking the Bobby spot of being every heel's manager, basically. Yeah. Before the match starts, Earthquake puts on the gun show. I love it when a guy with no arm muscles puts on the gun show. And John Tenta was great at it. John Tenta's arms were about as big as my waist. Well, they're big, but they're not muscular. You don't show off the guns when you just have... Big ass arms, you don't. LOD get a huge monstrous reaction as they storm towards the ring. Bobby complains about their spikes because they'll use them, and with their haircuts, it's obvious that they don't care. That's true. He's got a point. That's very true. You you all he brings the great point that you have made from day one. They need wrestling. To, they need to wrestle in them. Never did. Can, I would not want to bump in that damn thing. Can you imagine bumping on the spikes out of the back? Well, the idea is that they they don't know they don't sell anyway, Patrick. It's not like they're gonna fall on They'll their back. They'll sell if they fucking hit that shit. The person that hits it will. Yeah, but not the true. LOD. That's true. They'll be fine. Hawk at first, he can't move the big man, Typhoon, but he no sells Typhoon's shoulder blocks, so they can't move each other. No one can move each other. No. We went from a match where no one wanted to move to a match where no one can move. This is going well. Right at the very start is when you see. Uh Tenta comes in. He catches a forearm to the back from uh, Hawk, I do believe. Okay, well, that's because that forearm, Hawk was a little bit pissed off, and he took it as, in my opinion, it came off like he was trying to shoot on him. The forearm that he had gotten ahead of time from from Tenta, it, it got very, it was very stiff. I do believe this is why he wanted us to talk about this match, is because, in my opinion, this turned out to be kind of a shoot. Because these guys got pretty pissed off and didn't want to sell. It's like, well, if you're not going to sell, I'm going to make you sell. And they just started beating the shit out of each other. No, I don't. I don't. I don't see where it ever broke out into like a shoot fight. In fact, there's a part where they brawl on the outside of the ring, and Earthquake ever so gently scoop slams Hawk. I mean, it was like he was setting yeah. down. I'm talking about four on a though. thing of feathers. I didn't get a sense that the natural disasters were working stiff. I think. LOD always works stiff. Yeah. And they no-sold. So I think it was a typical LOD match. Yeah. By their standards. And they got the result they wanted because both teams didn't have to job. It was perfect for them. As the match goes on, Quake tags in. No-sells a drop kick from Hawk. Quake misses a drop kick and gets an elbow from Hawk. Animal tags in. They exchange some strikes. Stereo clothesline. 
That's how we fall down. We have to hit each other at the same time. That's the only way we can go down. Animal tries a scoop slam, but Quake's weight is too much, and he falls on Animal for a two count. Typhoon tags in, and Stinger splashes Animal, goes for a second, but gets a boot to the face and a clothesline, lovely. Hawk tags in and no-sells Typhoon's clothesline, a Typhoon backbreaker to Hawk, and then whips him into the corner. Quake tags in, drops an elbow on Hawk for a quick two count. Typhoon tags in, smashes Hawk's lower back, then puts him in, oh, the bear hug, relentless. Hawk tries an axe handle, but Typhoon catches him, brings him to their corner where Quake tags back in. Quake walks on Hawk and shows off the guns to Animal. Throws Hawk in another bear hug. Quake misses a splash and takes top turnbuckle elbow from Hawk. Animal gets the hot tag, a flying shoulder tackle to Quake, and then he double clotheslines the disasters. Hawk then takes Typhoon out of the ring, and they brawl on the mats. Quake slams Animal on the ring mats, and the natural disasters win a count-out victory. Yeah. Celebrate with the belts like idiots. I guess they've never wrestled before. And then get hit with a chair from Animal... So the LOD, the faces, attack the heels with the weapon, get all their heat back, and the match is over. LOD still champs. However, natural disasters won by countout. Yeah, so LOD are losers. But they're not. Because they have the belts. Yes. I was interested in seeing this match because these are two these are two tag teams that everyone remembers because they they have similar gimmicks. They have they no sell. They're big, they're power guys. Uh, two guys are giants, uh, the natural disasters. They have great outfits. Both both teams look tremendous as far as like... I've, al- I've always liked tag teams that, that match, that have mm-hmm. a theme to their yeah. wardrobe and their moveset. And it was a dream matchup. I just wish that it had a, a clean ending because we never got the rematch with, with a definitive finish. And yeah. that's unfortunate. Uh, but I did enjoy the match. It only took about nine minutes. And anything following that Jameson match... Uh, would have been amazing. The you know? greatest thing ever. Yeah. <laughs> I would, anything. I didn't care what it was. So, you know, five stars, whatever. Uh, the guy, Jason, that picked this, uh, if you love this match, I, I would, I'd be curious to know exactly why you love it. I mean, I think it's a fine match. I don't think it's, but it's nothing real real special about it, other than the, the people that are, com- you know, competing yeah. in it. Any thoughts, Patrick? I, I enjoyed the match. Uh thought it was a great match. Clear finish would have probably been nice. I'm with you. I, w- I would love to talk to Jason and hear from him and be like, why do you love this match? What What was your thoughts on it? Sean Mooney is with the Disasters and Jimmy Hart, and the Disasters seem to not understand the rules, and Jimmy Hart wants to call the lawyers to get their title belts That's that right. they think they won on a countout, which was the quickest countout in the history of countouts, by the way. It was like they stepped out of the ring, and immediately the bell was called for. That Rumble match takes well over an hour, so we we were running out of time here. Gene is with Rowdy Roddy Piper, who is thrilled, and he wants the world championship tonight, too. This is part one. Part one of two. All right, thank you, Gorilla Monsoon and Bobby Heenan. Congratulations are in order for you, Rowdy Roddy Piper, the new Intercontinental Champion. One more time, baby. Only in America. Where else can a skinny 15-year-old kid come on down and become champion and have a chance at the world champion now? I'm 
gonna go in there next me, Gene. There are gonna be 30 guys. I'm gonna have them falling down like President Bush. Thank the good Lord, the press got up. Them, they ain't gonna be so lucky, cause I got a dream. I do have a dream, and I got my eye on the prize. Mwah! Dedicate this one to Colt. <laughs> then we go to Sean Mooney, who's with HBK. Newly minted HBK, the heartbreak kid, Shawn Michaels, who had just thrown Marty through the barbershop window. That's right. Just one week before this pay-per-view. Yeah. And Shawn cuts a great promo on Marty and says, hey, Marty, look at it this way. I saved you 29 other beatings. You know, I don't know what the big deal is. Think about it, Janetti. I saved you 29 other beatings. I mean, sure, you know, not as bad as the one I gave you, but 29 beatings nonetheless. And you know, is there any doubt in my mind that I'm going to be walking home with the World Wrestling Federation Heavyweight Championship? I don't think so. Now everybody is going to find out what Shawn Michaels has known all along. That he is without a doubt the hottest thing the World Wrestling Federation has ever, ever laid eyes on. (laughs) Which I loved. Which is an excellent promo. It's a shame that Marty couldn't respond back to this because he's not on the show. That's true. This would have been... Yeah, this would be a perfect for primetime wrestling. Primetime wrestling where you had uh you would have Sean sit down with Marty and have Vince sitting there saying, "Well, why did you do it? What well and he talks shit and then Marty has to, you know, th- this would have been a great spot." Yeah, all it did was just bury Marty here. Yeah. I mean, he was You noticed Jerry Sags was in the match we had mentioned, you know, earlier. Yeah. <laughs> no Brian Knobs. Uh, he was injured. That's what they said. Is that what it was? Yeah, they had mentioned a few people that were injured. Okay. Sean says he's the hottest thing the WWF has ever laid eyes on. Hayes, Lord Alfred Hayes is with Ric Flair. And this is where we learn that Ric Flair drew number three. But Ric Flair, who is serious Ric Flair tonight, he's not styling and profiling. He is serious and focused. Flair doesn't care. He says it makes no difference. He's against all the odds. And you know what? He's going to win it. His back's against the wall, and that's the bottom line. I mean, Stone Cold, I guess, was listening over. He was watching somewhere. Coliseum home videos. Rick Flair says that's the bottom line, but doesn't say Rick Flair says so. But How did you fare in the Royal Rumble draw? Lord Alfred, I drew number three. To a lot of people out there, they'd say, my God, what a disadvantage you're going at. But look at it like this. When your name is Rick Flair, when you're the claimant to the real World Heavyweight Championship, you know that to make everybody a believer that I've got to beat 29 other men. So I'll get number three. That means I'll be in there close to an hour. It makes no difference. When I walk out, I will be the World Wrestling Federation champion against all odds, and that's the bottom line. And then the promo train starts. Okay, first of all, I loved this. This was a great concept. To build into the Royal Rumble. Yeah, I wish they brought this back. I really like this. I want. I hope you will edit that into this. Yes, the the train, the sea of pre-tapes. I hope you will edit it, edit it in here. However, I want to make a side side note about it. Jake the Snake Roberts won in his little in his pre-tape. It was brilliant. It was so beautifully done. Now I've mentioned time and time again, Jake's interviews are phenomenal. And outstanding anyway, but it, this this was top notch. I really enjoyed it. He took he took this to a whole nother level. It, it seemed like tonight, so this was very well done. I do want to mention Flair's 
so after we've already seen Flair, this I guess Coliseum was the Alfred Hayes one earlier. So Mr. Perfect is with Ric Flair who says, Mirror, mirror on the wall. I just want to mention, I thought Flair's was really good. Paul Bear cuts a good one for The Undertaker. And Hogan does the same stupid thing about... Well, Hogan finishes the promo train with whining about Tunney like a little bitch. This guy is supposedly your top star, your baby face, and he's sitting there whining about Tunney taking his belt away. Well, if it's so tough, just go out there and win it back, you dummy. <laughs> and then he whines about people always cheap-shotting him. It's a conspiracy. Everyone's lining up against me. He right. sounds like whining Brett from, like, you know, the late True. 90s. And then he does the thing about T again, I think. So, fuck Hogan here. Like, he sucked in this promo. He sucked tonight. He knew... He phoned it in because he knew he wasn't going to win. This was exactly like what we talked about with other matches with other wrestlers. When they know they're not going to win, they just go in there and they just phone it in. And that was Hogan tonight. Ooh, yeah, the Royal Rumble, the single greatest wrestling event and match ever in the history of the World Wrestling Federation. Competition, yeah, against 29 of the greatest wrestlers in the world. And only one man can win the prestigious World Wrestling Federation Championship belt. I've won it before. I've been there before. I've been to the top of the mountain. And I'm going back. I'm going back this afternoon. Two things I want to accomplish this afternoon, yeah. Number one, sometime I want to get my hands on the snake man. And the other thing is, yeah, I want to once again be the World Wrestling Federation champion. Oh, yeah. Dig it. See, it is this simple. The man who is standing last in the Royal Rumble will be the World Wrestling Federation champion. So all I ask you to do is open your eyes. It will hit you in the head like a shot. For you are looking at the man that is superior to all. You are looking at the next World Wrestling Federation champion. You are looking at Sid Justice. Hey, psst. Come here. Now, closer. You know, one of the biggest thrills in my life is when I get to take something. And today, I got the opportunity to take the biggest prize ever from 29 of the best wrestlers in the World Wrestling Federation. And you know something? Wouldn't it be just great? The World Wrestling title right around my waist. The repo, man. Oh, what a thrill. Because remember, what's mine is mine. And what's yours is mine, too. <laughs> the last time the British Bulldog was in a match like this was in the Royal Albert Hall in London, England, my hometown. And what a thrill it was for me to dispose of 19 other opponents over the top rope and stand victorious in the hallowed halls of the Royal Albert Hall. But what a bigger thrill it's gonna be this afternoon when the British Bulldog steps in the Royal Rumble and disposes of 29 other opponents and gets the World Wrestling Federation Heavyweight Championship belt around my waist. That will truly be a Royal Rumble. They say you can't always get what you want, but I've always been able to get what I need. This afternoon, 
the World Wrestling Federation Championship belt is on the line. For 29 other men, it's going to be a big disappointment. Now, I would never disappoint myself. You, I don't mind. And Savage, believe me when I tell you, I'll be waiting for you. Yeah, I'll save some for you. And I'll have just enough left to walk out with that title around my waist. Trust me. You're looking at the next World Wrestling Federation champion. You're looking at the man who rocks the cradle. Mirror, mirror on the wall. Today we find out who's the fast of them all. We're at the Royal Rumble and 30 of the greatest World Wrestling Federation superstars gather today to find out who is the man for four months. I've called myself the real world champion. So for me, there's no back door. But remember, boys, and that's to all 29 of you, I've lived one way and one way only, and that's with the belief to be the man you have to beat the man, and today at the Royal Rumble, I am the man. Woo! Oh, what a busy afternoon is going to be at my funeral parlor. 29 hearses have already been prepared. 29 bodies, 29 caskets. And standing atop this mass carnage, will be The Undertaker, crowned once more World Wrestling Federation Heavyweight Champion. You know something, Hulkamaniacs? Later on this afternoon, we get to prove a point that no one else could prove except us, man. In one given afternoon, we're gonna prove to the whole world the power of Hulkamania. We're gonna prove that we can beat all 29 other superstars in the World Wrestling Federation to get our WWF title back. Oh yeah, winning the Royal Rumble is one thing, the most prestigious event in the WWF. But when you add the WWF title on top of that, that changes the whole picture, man. But Hulkamaniacs, this is our cup of tea. They're gonna be coming from all different directions, friend or foe, they're all the same in the Rumble. But it's just like always, we're always getting cheap-shotted by one of our so-called friends. Or we're always getting cheap-shotted by that no-good Jack Tunney. But this is our cup of tea. And in the Royal Rumble, we're going to prove that Hulkamania reigns supreme. But to all those people in Titan Tower, in the WWF offices, don't worry about The Undertaker or Jake the Snake stealing that belt, man. Me and my little holsters have a special battle plan for the Royal Rumble. And what you going to do when Hulk Hogan and his little Hosters rumble all over you. <sighs> Fink goes over the rules. They're pretty simple, guys. Tunny comes in and gets booed and then repeats exactly what Fink just told us. This man is the worst president ever. Bobby rightly says, hurry up, Jack. Let's get the match started. Number one for the Royal Rumble is Davy Boy Smith. None other than the British Bulldog. Who won a battle royal in Britain. A month ago, so... To be a part of this Royal Rumble, that was, if I believe, if I'm correct, that is that was part of the stipulation. So he's got, he's been practicing, so... He won, he won a battle royal to be number one. Well, that's a, that's foolish, but I guess if you're, if the alternate is that you're not on at all, I guess number one is better than... True, very true. And he's got a long night ahead of him, let's just put it that way. Yeah, especially for a guy that does not 
have cardio. This was a tough night to be the British Bulldog. Next out is the one and only, the million dollar man, Ted DiBiase. With sensational Sherry, which Bobby comments at Sherry's boobs. Boy, look at them. (laughs) But he was, it could be a double entendre because he was walking next to Ted. So anyway, yes. He was talking about the duo, I think. I don't think he was talking about her boobs. Okay. (laughs) This would be Sherry. uh, Sherry breaks up with uh, Ted shortly after this and gets with the uh, Heartbreak Kid. Yeah, gets with, uh, with HBK. And no mention of uh, her previous allegiance with uh, the Macho Man. So all that's been... King Macho has been forgotten. Or Rick Martel, for that matter. Oh, true. She's she's another... Uh, man, these heel managers get a lot of work. DiBiase suplexes Bulldog and gut-wrenches him. Rick Martel is the Iron Man in the Rumble. He's the Iron Man record holder. He's been in the match the longest. They mentioned that right up front, even though he's not in the match yet. Bulldog eliminates DiBiase after the Million Dollar Man thinks he eliminated Bulldog. Don't ever turn your back before you see the man's feet hit the floor, Patrick. That's right. And the Million Dollar Man should have known better. How did he make a million dollars doing stupid things like this? I don't know, but this was the easiest match he has ever been a part of. Oh, this was a good night's work. This was an easy good night's work. Because that son of a bitch was in there and out of there in like two minutes tops. Number three is Ric Flair, and Bobby Heenan is distraught. He is losing his mind. It's not fair to Flair. No, it's conspiracy, damn it. Flair eye-pokes Bulldog, who is taking advantage of the no-rules stipulation. Bulldog responds by press-slamming Ric Flair to a big reaction. Entry number four is Nasty Boy Sags with Jimmy Hart. Knobs was injured at the time, is what the announcers say. The heels team up on Davy Boy... Yeah. And Davy Boy eliminates Sags with a drop kick. So now Sags is out. Easy night's work for Sags. <laughs> yeah. Which he would need too. Another man that's not good with cardio. The Bulldog Power Slams Flares. Entrant number five is Haku. Haku, yeah. No longer King, just no, no. Haku. So it's two on one for the heels again. And Flair chops on Davy Boy before Haku turns on Flair, every man for himself. That's right. This isn't for a. This isn't for main eventing WrestleMania. This is for the title itself. Yeah. So every man for himself is all out warfare. Flair bails out under the ropes and decides, "Hey, I'll just take a breather." That's brilliant. But then he quickly gets back in. Haku pile drives Davy Boy. Flair hits his signature rolling knee to Haku. Bulldog then dumps Haku out. Man, Bulldog is on a roll here. Uh oh. And now out of nowhere, here comes entry number six. Shawn Michaels, HBK. The Sexy Boy. This was before entrance themes were played for every participant, so they came out to silence. It was sort yes. of weird. Yeah. The buzzer would go off and you'd just walk out. The next out. person would walk out the curtain. And then the crowd would erupt and that was, you know, yay or boo, whatever. Sean super kicks Flair, but it's it's not his finisher, so it doesn't no. matter. No. It's and not then the he, teardrop suplex. Yeah. And then he gets press slammed by Bulldog. Sean skins the cat. Something he would get used to after Bulldog tries to eliminate him. Just two years later. <laughs> Three years later. Yeah, these guys would meet in the Rumble uh, quite often. Yes, they would. Bulldog crotches Sean on the ropes. Number seven is Tito El Matador. Ole. Tito tries to dump out Flair, but Sean cuts him off. Flair low blows Bulldog and tries to eliminate him, but Bulldog saves himself. That's right. Chico's still in there. Chico then hits a flying forearm on Flair. The flying burrito. Number eight is the Barbarian. God, that's a big man. 
Flair chops the shit out of Tito. Barbarian tries to eliminate Bulldog, and Flair helps, but Davey holds on again. Oh, number nine's my favorite. Number nine is Carrie Von Eric, the Texas Tornado. That's right. Who's an actual tornado is his gimmick. Yeah, this is my pick to win. And he comes in there and immediately wants Flair, and the announcers make no reference to their past. No. Just this guy really doesn't like Ric Flair for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> no mention of uh, world class championship. No. That doesn't exist. This would have been and fed into it. They fed into the into giving them an opportunity and they didn't take it. it Tornado fun. punches to everybody. The man's spinning around. Not a good idea in a Royal Rumble to just spin around in a circle throwing punches because you'll you'll miss someone eliminating you maybe. Well, he's a tornado, so that's all he does is spin. It's true. The ring is getting pretty full now. Out of nowhere. The Repo Man. Repo Man comes in because you know why? He's going to steal a win and get that WWF title. He's going to repossess. Well, I guess he would just possess the title. He never had it, so he can't repo it. He sneakily slides into the ring. I really thought, you know, what they did a few years later when Lawler would just hide under the ring. That would have been brilliant. That's what Repo Man should have done. That would have been a brilliant spot for him. Flair tries to dump Davy Boy. Tito hits a crossbody on Sean and then saves Davy Boy. So Tito, look, looking out for his fellow baby face. Flair lights Carrie up with chops. Number 11 is Greg... Greg the Hammer Valentine. Who sucks? No, come on. He sucks. Flair and Greg exchange chops. Greg and Bulldog double-team Flair. Number 12 is Nikolai Volkov. That's right. Hammer puts the figure four on Flair. How blasphemous. Nikolai gets dumped out by Repo Man. Lucky number 13 is Big Boss Man. Big Boss Man. He runs wild on everybody. Then Repo Man dumps out the Hammer. Repo Man has two eliminations, almost as many as the British Bulldog. Yeah. Never mind. Boss Man dumps him out. So (laughs) Repo Man's run is quickly over. Flair finally dumps Davy Boy to a big gasp from the audience. They were shocked because... Davy... Well, they thought Davy Boy was going to go all the way. He was... He he, looked like it. Yeah, he was showing off his power moves, but look, he was uh, gassed out by this point. It was time to go... Go home for the night. Sean, Tito, Bossman, Barbarian, and Flair are all that remain. Then HBK and Tito, off camera, eliminate each other, setting up their showdown. Setting up their WrestleMania 8 showdown. I was thinking WrestleMania 9 for some reason, yeah. but... Number 14 is Hercules Hernandez. Hercules, yeah. Barbarian, Bossman, and Flair are the only four people left at the moment. Barbarian press slams Flair. Barbarian has Flair nearly eliminated, but Hercules dumps Barbarian instead... Followed by Bossman dumping him in a thrilling sequence of eliminations where Flair has somehow... It's a miracle. He survived. Yeah. All these eliminations at once. He's the real world's champion. Now it's just Ric Flair and Ray Trailer, the big boss man. Boss man crescent kicks Ric Flair to the face. God, that was ugly. But eliminates himself as Flair does the old... Oh, you're coming after me. I duck down. Pull the ropes. There he yeah. goes. Flair... Now has some time to rest. He does, but not too much because number 15, here it is, are entering none other than the Intercontinental Champion and soon-to-be WWF World Heavyweight Champion, the Hot Rod, Rowdy Roddy Piper. The, the crowd goes nuts and Piper runs wild on Flair. Piper does the corner punches on Flair, who Atomic drops him. Piper no-sells it and eye-pokes Flair. Piper does the airplane spin on Ric Flair and slaps on the sleeper, which is a... Stupid thing to do in a Royal Rumble, but okay. 
Jake the Snake Roberts is in at number 16. Trust me, trust me, trust me. He gets in and just sits in the corner, which I thought was really cool. Yeah, he lets Piper and Flair finish what they started and be done with it. But then he gets involved and goes after Piper. Roddy chants break out as he's the only face in the match. Jake calls for the DDT on Flair, but Piper denies this crowd the chance and saves Ric Flair with a clothesline on Jake the Snake Roberts. A figure four on Jake... With ropes as leverage, because he's the dirtiest player in the game, Flair is. But Piper stomps them both. Number 17. The one and only Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Another shitty wrestler. The winner of the original Royal Rumble, that was on TV anyway, is Hacksaw Jim Duggan, who's not allowed to bring in his 2x4 for some reason. No. Can't. Can't bring it in. Why? Cause. (laughs) It's an illegal weapon. But there's no rules. Just right. It's the Outback Steakhouse of That's pro wrestling. True. I mean, That's true. there's no rules here, so he should have brought in. He never uses it. Another wrestler that doesn't use his stuff, LOD and Hacksaw, so he drops it before he gets in. Flair and Piper have a chop battle. Number eighteen is IRS, Bray Wyatt's father. Number nineteen is Murderer Jimmy, Jimmy Snuka. Superfly Snuka. I don't know why you rub your hands together. That's creepy. I love, I love Jimmy Snuka. Yeah, because he's a murderer. No, he's yeah, that's not. why you love him. That he, he murdered his found, girlfriend. He was not found guilty because he was dying. He was not. That found was the guilty. only reason. He was. He was not found guilty. It's okay so. that you love a murderer. It's fine. He's not. Some people guilty. love murderers. You're saying it like I love Charles Manson or some. Well, shit. Well, he just passed away too. Do he you did. like him? Well, he never got his hands dirty. Jimmy Snuka did. Piper goes back to smacking the shit out of Ric Flair. Number 20 is The Undertaker. Taker tosses out Snooka, so thank goodness. Taker no-sells offense from Flair and Hacksaw and double chokes them. Number 21, oh yeah, it's a macho man. Jake finds Macho Man, of course. They're in a feud, and they brawl. And as brilliant as the Macho Man is, he does something very, very stupid here. He climbs to the top ropes. So he he drops the axe handle on Jake, throws Jake out, and then does what? Oh, he jumps over and eliminates himself as well, too. Because he's intense. Yeah. And that's the way he enters and exits the ring, typically. So he had a lapse of judgment, a brain fart, if you will, and threw himself over. Now, Patrick, Jack Tunney, once again, and the refs really fucked up here because he's out. Well, he wasn't thrown over the top, so... That doesn't matter. Since he's not physically thrown over the top rope, then he shouldn't be eliminated. However, if you go into 96 Royal Rumble, you have Mil, Mil Mascaris climbs to the top That's rope. That's 97. Mil Mascaris climbs to the top rope and hits a diving crossbody and eliminates himself as well. Technically, they should have let him come back in. Well, anyway, the rules are the rules, and Macho Man should have been eliminated. He didn't. He wasn't penciled in to win, so doesn't really matter, you know? Like, just let him go. Here's your favorite entering now, though. Taker goes out and gets Macho Man, and he brings him back into the ring, which is another... For a dead man, he's a very stupid dead man, too. Like, yeah, I want to bring more people into this match. He's dead. He doesn't care. That's more souls for him to take. Well, he's already ordered 29 hearses. I guess he's trying to fill... You know, he doesn't want to waste his money. No. Oh, yes, your favorite is next here. No, it's your favorite, the Berserker. Which was supposed to be um, Bruiser Brody. That was the gimmick they had in mind for Bruiser Brody, uh, who passed away before they could uh, bestow it upon him. So that is speaking of murders, but let's not get me started on that one. Another murder. 
Let's not get me started on that one. Number 23 is Virgil. He goes right after IRS, who had teamed up with Ted DiBiase, his former slave master, and uh, decided to go after IRS. Then they, everyone beats up Virgil. Yeah. Taker chokes Flair again and looks to eliminate him. 24 is actually my favorite. Sheiky Baby, who is Colonel Mustafa. Yes. As this is... Sergeant Slaughter still... Is he a bad guy still or no? No. This is after that. This is after that. He just was still filling out his... uh, He was just still filling out the role. Yeah, so Colonel Mustafa, Sheiky Baby's in at 24, and he's my pick to go all the way. You think, really? Yeah. You you got Sheiky Baby, I got Kerry... Well, he won the gimmick battle royal. I had Kerry Kerry Von Erich, so... 25 is the model, Rick Martell, the Iron Man. He won't get to be the Iron Man at 25. If he does half of what he accomplished when he was the Iron Man, he's going to win this thing today. Martell goes after Flair and tries to fireman's carry him over the top rope like John Cena. Meanwhile, Sheiky Baby is eliminated, oh no, by like Macho, Virgil, and Hacksaw. They all teamed up, and the camera missed exactly who eliminated my Sheiky Baby. That's terrible. I'm very upset by it. It's all right, because guess, guess who's coming in next? This is your favorite. The this Hulkster. is when Little Patrick would have just marked out. The Hulkster. Yeah. 26 is, 26 is Hulk Hogan, and it's time for everyone to get the F out of the ring, right? <laughs> Taker takes him right on, because this is their feud, basically, that set up this vacant title. Hulk clotheslines Taker right over the ropes. Yeah. And back body drops Berserker. Then rips off his shirt. He hadn't even taken his shirt off before he eliminated Undertaker. And the crowd, to his credit, is going nuts. This guy doesn't know how to work a crowd. Crowd goes wild. Loved it, brother. Hacksaw and Virgil, dumbasses, eliminate each other. So now it's just Flair, Hogan, Macho, IRS for some reason, and Rick Martell. 27 is Skinner. Skinner. Hulk tries to take out Skinner, but IRS saves his fellow jobber. Flair and Martell try to eliminate Piper, but he survives again. 28 is the Sarge, who has now... I want my country back! He got his country back, Sergeant Slaughter. Yes, who had defected the year prior during the first Iraq War, but now is a babyface again. Skinner, meanwhile, gets dumped by Martell. Slaughter goes after Flair. Flair... Congratulations, buddy. You're the new Iron Man in the Rumble. You've outlasted every previous Rumble competitor in your duration of the match. I do believe this may still stand. Uh, I'll have to check that. I can check that at the end. We'll check that here in a second. Number 29 is... Sid Vicious. Well, he's Sid Justice. He's not vicious. He just wants justice. Oh, okay. He's a baby face. He's not the master and the ruler of the world. No, not yet. He's just a guy that likes justice. That's right. And he is roided out of his mind. Holy shit. Yeah, this was uh, right before the steroid scandal, and uh, you wouldn't be be seeing uh, Sid stick around much longer. No. 30. Speaking of steroids. (laughs) Warlord. Which gets spoiled by Gorilla, who number 30 is. So he takes the air completely out of, oh, who could be number 30? Who could it be? Gorilla's like, well, it's the Warlord. We've already talked about it. I think Thanks, he, Gorilla. I think he actually won, a, won something to be a, be a number 30. Well, I think you should never say before they come out. Even if you even if it had been announced. Because we should know yeah. if we really cared. I don't think that Iron Man record can stand because of the 40-man 
won that year, but I'll check into it. Flair and Hogan battle outside. Ben Wall, for that matter. Ben Wall uh, went number one. Ben Wall went a while, dude. Flair and Hogan battle outside. This is the match everyone wants to see. Slaughter gets propelled out of the match by Sid Justice, the power man. A big boot to Flair from Hogan. Uh-oh. Piper then eliminates IRS by using his tie. Don't yeah. wear a tie to the ring. This guy is stupid. For a tax man. Hogan and Sid team up together to eliminate the warlord. Martel and Piper are then dumped over by Sid. So Piper, the WWF title will never be yours, sadly. This was as close as he got, I'd say. But a, a good try. Yeah. A good run. And a good night overall for the rowdy one. He's still an Intercontinental Champion, so, you know. That should have been on the line in the match, too. Every title. So now, your final four, Patrick. Ric Flair, Hulk Hogan, Randy Savage, who should be eliminated, and Sid Justice. Oh, Macho Man gets dumped out by Sid with an assist from Ric Flair. Maybe that, that'll lead somewhere. Hmm, who knows? Never know. Flair nearly gets punched out. This would have been a really bad elimination to get eliminated with a punch from Hulk Hogan. But then the crowd goes nuts because Sid sneaks up and dumps Hogan over the ropes. Who then... And the crowd goes wild. Which is... They lose their shit. Yeah, because they definitely thought this was in the bag for Oh, Hulk yeah. Hogan, Hogan was going to win it. Hogan had this thing won. It was done. Signed, sealed, delivered. They thought it was it. Now, Hogan... Being a gracious sport that he is. He's going to shake Sid's hand. He was fairly eliminated. There was no controversy here. Okay, here's where Sid's a dumbass. <laughs> Who the fuck is smart enough to reach out there and be like, okay, I just eliminated eliminated you, but I'll shake your hand. And so he shakes Hulk's hand, and Hulk then starts trying to pull him over the top rope. Then... Out of nowhere, Ric Flair sneaks up behind Sid, lifts his leg up, and flips him. So with the help of Hulk Hogan, Ric Flair wins your 1992 (laughs) Royal Rumble. Very convoluted logic, but yes. From number three, Ric Flair went over an hour. Because Hogan cried and bitched, and he had already lost. Yeah. You know, and he grabs Sid's hand, yes, and helps a heel. Superman helps out Lex Luthor here yes. to win the world title. And so as soon as that happens, the crowd goes crazy, and Bobby the Brain Heenan is the one that goes the craziest. He loses his mind. Flair is the Iron Man. He's the real world champion now. He's the WWF champion, and Bobby Heenan has lost his mind. Hogan, now this is, this is my move of the night from Ric Flair. Hogan, of course, needs to get the last word in, you know, because it's all about him. Fuck the rest of these people. So Hogan gets in the ring to whine and complain, but you know what Ric Flair does? He just walks right out, says, fuck you, Hulk Hogan. (laughs) Just walks right down the aisle with that belt and celebrates on the aisle with Mr. Perfect. So fuck you, Hulk Hogan. You're not coming in here to get shine on me. I'm just going to go somewhere else. I love. I just won. The camera's going to follow me, so get the fuck out of my spotlight. But Sid and Hogan stay in the ring and get their heat back. The refs and the corporate stooges break up their fight. Meanwhile, Bobby has left Gorilla alone to go celebrate with his boy Ric Flair. 
and for the greatest promo of Ric Flair's WWF career. Oh, by, yeah. You, and might be of his entire career. He's had a lot. Uh, yeah. Make sure you splice that in here. And it uh, also includes the infamous Put That Cigarette Out by Mean Gene. Is actually the most important signing WCW ever made was Mean Gene. This guy is so good. He helps out so much talent. He's the best interviewer. He's not my guest this time is such and such. He helps out, and Mean Gene is just phenomenal. And tonight he put he did a lot of work, a lot of promos, Mean Gene promos tonight. But this was the infamous Put That Cigarette Out. Which, and you actually, you talked to him in Orlando and asked him who that was. Well, it's the most, I'd say everybody asks him this question. I Yes, he was one of the few people that I wanted a picture with at WrestleCon. You took a picture of me and me and Gene, so that was nice. Thank you for that. And uh, yes, that was the question I asked him. He doesn't remember, but everybody asked him that because when he did the Q&A with the audience, the guy doing the interview, he asked him that. So... Many, many people. This is the the greatest mystery, the greatest mystery in pro wrestling history, perhaps, is who had the cigarette yeah. during the pay homage to the man speech from Ric Flair. So, but an excellent Ric Flair promo and not, not his typical, like I said, not his flashy jet flying, limousine riding With promo. With a tear in his eye. This is the greatest moment in my, my entire, entire life. life. Let me just say, after view distorting... The belt that proclaimed me the real world champion. I'm going to tell you all with a tear in my eye. This is the greatest moment in my life. When you walk around this world and you tell everybody you're number one, the only way you get to stay number one is to be number one. And this is the only title in the wrestling world that makes you number one when you are the king of the WWF. You rule the world. Think about it like that, Mr. Perfect. Guys, we're the brain. Up Woo! Woo! Let's give a big one. Woo! You did it. I was never so impressed with anything I've ever seen in all my life. He went out there for over 60 minutes, never took a back step, took it to Hogan, took it to The Undertaker, took it to whoever got in that ring. That's why he is, hey, and Bobby, you call now, the real world's heavyweight champion. We're not the kind of guys to say, we told you so, but we told you so. <laughs> okay, very good. Rick Flair, you have made world, put that cigarette out. You have made World Wrestling Federation history here tonight. It's the greatest moment of my life. I want to jump. I want to party. But I got to tell you like this. For the Hulk Hogan's and the Macho Man's and the Pipers and the Sids. Now it's Ric Flair. And you all pay homage to the man. Woo! <laughs> I love it. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that wraps it up. We hope you have enjoyed your Royal Rumble. For my broadcast colleagues, Gorilla Monsoon, Bobby the Brain Heenan, Sean Mooney, Mean Gene Okerlund, saying so long from the Knickerbocker Arena in Albany, New York. And now, ladies and gentlemen, let's revisit some of the highlights from this year's Royal Rumble. Just, yeah. It, uh, and totally buried WCW in the process. Oh, God. It was, it was... He did exactly what the company needed him to he do. He did. It was a great promo. Really, you need to put it. I hope you put it in here. 
It is it is a great promo. And uh Gene says good night and then we show some highlights before the pay homage to the man's promo, by the way. As Sid and Hogan are being broken up, Sid in his southern Arkansas drawl yells to Hulk Hogan, I'll kill you! I'll kill you! Which was another highlight of the night for me. But we can go to the... Let's go to the uh, Royal Rumble Iron Man. Now the one for all of them is Chris Jericho for total accumulated... Over every rumble that he's been in, is yeah. No, but we're talking about the longest time from start to finish. Bob Backlund broke Ric Flair's record the very next year. Patrick, really? He went one hour, one minute, and ten seconds. Then, of course, yes, we have name redacted Chris Benoit in two thousand four. Ray Mysterio oh, went a minute longer than Chris. That's right. The true Iron Man. They actually they showed this in promos for every year. I forget that they do that. Okay. The true Iron Man, little Ray Mysterio. Has, it still holds as the longest Iron Man in Royal Rumble history. Yeah, Jericho uh, this year went an hour, but couldn't stay in there two minutes longer. I guess someone told him, like, you've got two minutes left. before He didn't want to break Ray Ray's title. Of the Iron Man, so... But Bob Backlund went... The very next year... In 93. Flair went one hour and two seconds. The very next year, Bob Backlund, Mr. Backlund, went one hour, one minute, and ten seconds. It's sad that Bob didn't... Oh, he entered number two as well. It's sad that Bob didn't didn't get to win the Royal Rumble. No, it's not, because he sucks. Bob, whatever! Okay. So... Alright. So... Overall, yeah. what... What did you think of this Royal Rumble match? Oh, over just the match just or the, the match. pay-per-view? Just the match. Okay. Just this Royal Rumble match, the greatest Royal Rumble of all time. Okay, now, I think it has the greatest assembly of talent of all time. I don't think it's structured the best. There's still a lot of times when people are just punching and kicking and waiting to be eliminated. They hadn't structured it in a way where... Do a big spot, like, you know, like every year now that we get like a Kofi Kingston, like escape spot or whatever, or like, or the monster spot, the guy that comes in and just wipes out seven guys or. Yeah. Well, that was Hogan because he eliminated four people in like 10 seconds. Right. So they kind of did have that, but they, they don't have, they didn't do finishers. Well, Mm -hmm. you saw a figure four, I guess, but finishers, weapons, big like table spot, you know, like. I think there have been more exciting ones to watch. Honestly, I think that the the one that Triple H won and where he took on Mister Perfect at the very end, two thousand two. Yeah, I think I think that was actually a better better overall match. But as far as talent that's assembled at one time, it, it doesn't get much better than this. No, uh, the match itself, yeah, it was very good. I'm not gonna say it's the best best Rumble match ever, but very high up there, probably top five of the. Now, like nearly thirty of these that they've had. Yeah. What did What did you think? I think it's absolutely phenomenal, and and I disagree with you. I think it is the greatest Royal Rumble match of all time. But that's just because Flair wins, right? No, no. That is the that is the abundance of talent. That is the way in which coming out of this storylines were able to spin out. It was uh, well. You didn't have the moves like you were saying, but without the moves, the moves are it is what it is. 
Well, and they really, uh, you talk about the storylines coming out of the match. They really bungled uh, the way that WrestleMania should have been structured. Uh, you definitely should have had the LOD Natural Disasters rematch. You didn't get that. No. Uh, you needed Macho and Jake. You didn't get that. Hogan should have fought Flair. You didn't get that. Instead, you got Macho and Flair, which was a good match. It was fine. All right, so that was that was the big Miss Elizabeth reunion with uh, Randy Savage. And then Hogan took on Sid and just was a nothing match. Which, yeah. I mean, yeah, they had tension from this rumble, but it was like, that's it. That's 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 the reason for the main event of WrestleMania is getting pulled out. I mean... You cost me the title. Anyway, I just think that they... You know what match did get a rematch at WrestleMania 8? The Bushwhackers and the Beverly Brothers got a dark match, a rematch at WrestleMania 8. Someone someone in attendance said, we need to see that again. I, on the other hand, never want to see it again. No. And I will never watch it again. No. Under any circumstances. Even if it's the only... If all TV goes dark except for one match on loop and it's that match, I will never watch it. It's the worst thing I've ever seen in pro wrestling as far as matches go not as far as storylines or anything but i don't know i kind of liked jameson getting the shit knocked out of him those guys should have gotten back i would have fired him on the spot vince must have been furious i'm sorry that was just terrible i know it's about putting smiles on faces but i couldn't i couldn't find a smile i lost my smile much like Shawn michaels did later on in his career the lod natural disasters match was was fine it was short Nobody sold. There was no rematch, so not having the definitive winner kind of kills it for me. Sorry, Jason. Uh, but it was cool to see those two teams together because if I was playing a video game, that's a matchup that I would make happen. Yeah. The new foundation, I thought Owen looked awesome. Uh, I, I liked the combination better than Brett and Anvil. I liked Owen with Anvil better, and that would play out you know, years later with the Owen-Brett feud and Anvil helping out Owen. I loved that later on. And there were seeds, you know, by not revealing that Owens' his brother, you know, outright. You you can save that for later. And just how talented Owen is doing Hurricane Ranas and stuff. Yeah. And, of course, tonight Piper wins the IC belt. And that's, historically speaking, a very significant moment. I didn't... You seem to be high on the match, but it was I only five five-minute match. And I, I didn't get much from the match. But So this show overall is going to be a little difficult to rate. Because of the what happens in the middle of it, but uh, what are your thoughts on the overall card? I I, uh, I love the main event. I love Piper. I loved uh, seeing LOD and Natural Disasters. Like you said, kind of wish we had a clear cut winner on that. Kinda. I mean, I enjoyed Owen and Nightheart. I just didn't. I wish it was somebody other than the Orient Express. I didn't feel like that was a that was a team that really they should have worked with. It could have been better. Let's put it that way. Which I hate to be that guy, but it could have been better. But, I mean, yeah. I like Jameson getting the shit beat out of him. That's about it. It's time to, once again, put this on our rating scale of Hornswoggle to Giant Gonzalez. If you ask me first, you know where I'm going, so you better go first. What do you mean? I, I'm going straight to the top. You can't rate this at Giant Gonzalez. No. Okay. Okay, but you better go first. I guess I'm going to give this a Sid Justice, a very a 1992 Sid Justice, a very tall man. A very ripped, muscular. A very bursting at the seams, balloony man. 
I am going to give this none other than with a tear in his eye, a Nature Boy Ric Flair. That puts I, it lower than Sid Justice. I thought so. that's where you were going to go with it. So that's oh. why I didn't want to steal your thunder, man. Uh, a couple changes I'm going to make on the Facebook page. I just wanted to mention briefly a feedback form for I'll post what review we're doing next and then you can leave comments and we can read feedback at the end of the show. Awesome. So that way, if people want us to talk about a specific thing or whatever, we can do that. That works. I also had someone on Twitter comment about our 30 for 30 that I put in too many clips of the 30 for 30 documentary. And the reason I do that, the reason I include clips is because I try to break it up because if I don't put in clips, it's just going to be an hour plus of us talking. And I just try to break it up some with highlights. And well, Yeah, because your voice gets annoying as hell after a while. So Yeah, exactly. So I'll try to find a find fine tune the balance of talking and, and clips and also I'm really bad about saying what the clip is and then playing the clip so you kind of hear it twice. I did what President Jack Tunney did tonight. I just repeat what is told to me. And finally, uh Jason asked about Patreon and you have to have a massive following to do a Patreon. So uh not anytime soon. What is a Patreon? A Patreon is where people pay you to do your show, oh, but you have to then provide rewards for people. Like someone signs up and says, "We'll give the Retro Wrestling Podcast five dollars a month." Okay. Well, that gets them access to our show, but then we're expected to provide other bonus content or like that's fun swag or whatever. But I'm sure we can do something. Like no, that. but that's way down the road. You have to have for that to be even profitable. You have to have. A massive following, and look, based on the statistics, the numbers aren't there quite yet. We're we're not we're not ready to fill the Georgia Dome. We're, we're close. We're at the Phillips Arena. We're at the Phillips Arena. We're just. I think we're at some guy named Phillips House. I think is actually where we're at. Well, you got to pick your review for next week. Oh, that's true. You're getting to the catchphrase too quick. What are I we? Am. What are we doing next week? We are doing or whenever. It's my birthday. It is your birthday. Happy birthday, buddy. It is my my birthday is coming up this Thursday on the 30th. So this is my birthday pick. We're going to go to Unforgiven 1998 because I want to see the very first ever Inferno match. Well, you're a pyromaniac. Well, yeah. You, you, it's like lighting the candle on your birthday cake. Exactly. You want to light it with Kane's my, foot. My birthday cake is a ring, and I want it to be lit on fire. So. Yes. A forgotten stipulation match that they won't do in the PG era. Well, no. they'll do a ring of fire match where you just wrestle near fire. Yeah. You can't light on fire. Yeah, or you can just be the Undertaker and accidentally get set on fire and... Walk through your pyro. Just walk through your pyro, which they don't have anymore. Yeah. You know, until Mania, I'm sure they'll break out the pyro for, but there's no pyro anymore. Yeah. It's kind of... And it kills Brock's entrance. You know, Brock... I know you hate Brock, but his entrance where he lip, he would leap from the ground to the ring... You know, all the four turnbuckles would explode. Yeah. Still a cool entrance. Now, he just walks up the stairs. Yeah. So, it's kind of killed. Yeah. Even AJ, you know, his entrance, you know, all he does now is just pull his hood back. He's just, no, and the lights yeah. come on. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, it's, imagine Goldberg with no pyro. Oh, that He would just stop. stand there <laughs> and look down. Did Goldberg have pyro at WrestleMania? Oh, yeah. Did he, had the, he had the sparklers, right? Yeah. Or the sprinklers. Of course, yeah. Okay. 
Okay. So that does it for this week in the Retro Wrestling Podcast. You can follow us at Twitter at Retro W Podcast and on Facebook at the Retro Wrestling Podcast page. I'm intern Alex. I am the one and only the greatest referee in professional wrestling history, Patrick Young. Saying as always, my closing line's a clothesline. And bingo bingo.